Let's helpy let's, selfie ourselves to some podcasts. Start the podcast. The guy in the song said it best when he said, Welcome to Ear and Loathing. I thought he said it best when he said, Ha! (laughs) (laughs) He's got a lot of points to make. Uh, So we are here, the uh, Gitmo Bros, episode uh, number nine. And and by the way, what I'm projecting to be uh, hundreds, if not thousands of episodes, this is my only opportunity to play this audio clip. Oh. Number nine, number nine, <laughs> number nine, number nine. You know, nine, is this revolution number nine? Yeah, is that the big yeah. right? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so Gitmo Bros, number one rockers forever here, episode yeah. nine. Uh, I guess I should remind everybody, go to earandloathing.com. Oh, we yeah. put a lot of work into that website. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's a good looking it's website. It's fantastic. It's a good looking website. Hours of fun. Get, gather the family around the computer. Everyone ha- will have a good time at the... Uh, Functional, the, easy to use. Functional, easy to use. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to be a uh, a computer programmer Mm-mm. to learn how to use it. Or a robot. What else do we got going on here? Um, I guess it's time. Well, let's say hello to Aaron. Oh, yeah. I got to introduce <laughs> you, you fuckers. So, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, let me say hello to Aaron Loathing's resident media darling. George White, number one rocker and fucker, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he does. He is. I've heard from many a lady. Uh, uh, and then uh, calling in from the North Star, the yeoman purser of the North Star, and my North Star, you know, society's North Star. Say hello. Bring hello, it's me, Aaron. What's up now? How are you? Bring hello. <laughs> He's calling in from a rotary phone. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we're going to now, I guess, decide who's in the torture chamber. That would be George. Ah, I'm in today. I'm in today. I'm excited, too. And we've we've uh, done another uh, rotation around the earth, around the ear and loathing earth, because George is always the third guy, and then we, uh, the, yeah, the cycle by, repeats by itself. By threes, three, six, nine, <clears throat> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I've, uh, I've had an extra drink already, because uh, in preparation for... Yeah. Whatever shellacking I'm going to take. It's <laughs> like when, like, uh, during the Civil War, when they had to remove a bullet yeah, from yeah. you on the battlefield, yep. and they would just, you just have to drink whiskey. Drink whiskey and bite the wood and say, cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's, George's booze intake is before the torture chamber yeah, is basically gotta, that. Got to up it for the, when you're the torture uh, guy, you got to do it. What goes along with, with, uh, being the torture victim is George gets to uh, oh, a pre- present right. a topic. Jeez, I should think of one. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, here we are. Speaking of of the Civil War, here we are in, in the in kibitz this, corner. In this, in, yeah, we're in this in this frontier, <laughs> a this, southern flavored. We're, we're in this authentic frontier town. Let's <laughs> let's walk over to like that Spillican gen- corners. Let's, yeah, let's walk over to that that general store where there appears to be a hillbilly sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> hey, Jed, and we're let, let, let's ask him exactly where are we, hillbilly sir? Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. <laughs> Oh, what an asshole that guy is! Can I, 
Dude, I can just, I get some pot liquor? Yeah, just, you got any pot liquor in there? I just wonder where the local gas station is. I don't. You don't need to do this whole welcome wagon bullshit. He's got some jelly. He's got, got some, some jelly. You all got some jelly? I got, got some these sweet pots pickles. For sale. Pots yeah. and pickles. <laughs> uh, I got some tobacco. Yeah, and y'all want to come on in? <laughs> and old Brownie just had puppies. Like to buy one. <laughs> You guys I whittle hear- I whittle <laughs> these pipes if you're interested, if you're of a mind. If you if you have trouble walking, I'll make some walking sticks. <laughs> Does this guy have a name by the way? Hell, I'll make you a pool cue. She's like it should be uh alliterative, so like Clem from Kibbit's Corner. Clem or Clem Cle- Clemson? Cletus Cleet. <laughs> Just Cleet. How about Clem Clemson? My name's Cleet. <laughs> Because we're getting, we're, we actually have a pretty nifty cast of characters at this point. We've got <laughs> Catherine McCowney. They're nifty. Raw Dog Cliff. Raw Cliff. Right. Um, Brenda. Yeah, I'm Clemson. Brenda. Brenda, Brenda who's <laughs> mad about the fuck kid. And just in general, a robot. Yeah, the robot. <laughs> robot. Yeah. And, and robot. And I think and Clem Clemson is, is Clem the guy Clemson. who who introduces, uh, who who did you just say, Aaron? Yeah. yeah uh, no, that was it. Uh, that was Clem. Oh, Clem. Yeah. Cool. So uh, Clem Clemson actually lives next door to Ben Benson. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, George, what here? Now that we are in the Kibbutz Corner, why uh, don't you introduce yeah. a topic of discussion? Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking this week about stereos, Ooh. and remember when we were young, and having a stereo was a big deal. You know, whether it was your car, you know, a blah punk, a Kenwood, a Pioneer. Is, are you specifically talking about car stereos no, or just stereos? No, in, stereos in as general. As they affect your entire stereos life. Stereos in general, as they okay. affect your whole life when that was a big deal and you went to get a stereo. And coupled with this, the idea, because I'm interested in what your guys' opinion is or experience, that musicians always have shitty stereos. And I found that to be true. That it, I read it as a joke somewhere in an interview with somebody. And then I found out that, it, that that's true. Musicians always have shitty stereos. You spend all this, how many bands are you in where you spent all this time on a demo where somebody did and then they went, hey, listen to it. And they put it on fuck some fucky boom box yeah. that was like bungee corded to their wall. Right. And you're like, what the fuck? You spent all this time and, you know, so I was interested in you guys if you ever, you know, went and, you know, had a bitchin' stereo in your car or had one in your house and went and spent money. And went to Allen Ed's and got six by nines and got him installed and got a blah punked and all that stuff. And and he, like your friend who's got his Jetta and he reaches over in the glove box and goes, this sounds better when it's equalized through my preamp. Yeah. And he yeah. opens the glove box and starts hitting the, you know, adjusting everything yeah. in his bitchin' stereo he spent money on. Did I- you guys ever, either one of you ever spend money and what kind of car was it? And <laughs> tell us, or, or your house, if you went and spent money and had one in your house tell me about it uh, i have i'll i'll go first um i i think when you describe having it in the car like just off the top of my head i had a, a 78 diesel rabbit yes you did and that had that was just like the uh radio that came on the dashboard and it with the speaker like on top of the dashboard yep. and it was just sounded like shit all the time yeah and uh, and of course it was missing a knob. Like you had to kind of like really grip it hard to turn it on and off. Yeah. And then you would have the friend with the with the uh, st- like the guy has a CD player in his car. Yeah, oh what? my god! What? What's that? <laughs> where, where did they keep? What new the devilry is this? It was in the trunk. Yeah, right. I, it's five. It holds five. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and then at home, I always and speaking of cars, I I I would equate my stereo. 
uh, collection as the same as I, for a long time. I never had, I never owned a car that was from the same decade that I was actually in. It was always like <laughs> 10 years or older. Right. The my, 78 my, diesel yeah. rabbit and, was 1988. Yeah, that's exactly right. And my stereos were always like, for the longest time, I had like the one my mom was going to throw away that was from, <laughs> I grew up with in the 70s yeah, that yeah. I wasn't allowed to touch, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Um, and But then she when she moved on, she just gave me that one. So that was my shitty stereo for a long time. And, and you then, put that one in your room? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I had, and at one point for a long time, I had a record player slash cassette player. Yeah. And it was just someone, it had a bunch of, like, as I recall, I don't remember where I got it, but it, it was a hand-me-down from somebody else who was going to get rid of it. Yeah. And it had stickers. You knew it wasn't mine originally because it it's stickers like Rush. Bumper Iron stickers Maiden. on it. Yeah, like nothing to do with Damon or music you listen to, but it was just the shitty one that someone gave me and I yeah. just used it. Was it dual cassette? Uh I don't even think that one was. I did have s- several yeah. of those because yeah. that was a that was a big time big during the mixtape activity time. in your life. Mixtape yeah. to figure out how to sending yeah. songs back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're right. It's you know even now I don't even think I have great no. great system. No, but why now? But that's part of what I started thinking about was I was in my car, which is a Chevy Bolt, but it's new. And how that I thought like the stereo is a totally different experience. Now it's this digital thing, this screen. And and I'm guessing that burglars everywhere over the last, I'm going to say 10 years have really their, their, their livelihood has gone down. Cause how do you steal that? There's no, that market's just gone Yeah, of stealing your pullout stereo. Remember people walking around with like their, their Kenwood, like pull out, like in a man, yeah, in a fuck ba- kit, like in a man bag, yeah. Yeah, like a fuck kit man bag like, <laughs> yeah. at a party to put it down and don't, don't touch my Kenwood. I'm putting it down with my keys. Don't yeah. fuck around with me. It's my fucking Kenwood. Yeah. Says it on the label there. Don't know. Yeah. It's like the, the mentality of, Joel's dad in risky business. Yes, right. You yeah, know, don't mess with your friends. Don't, don't, don't turn the bass up too loud. <laughs> yeah, I notice yeah. a preponderance of bass. <laughs> Joel, do you know something disturbing? <laughs> if you can't use it correctly, you're not to use it at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts on yeah, stereo? What about you, Aaron? Yeah. Um, my dad had a bitchin' pioneer when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then he even had something sweet in the in the MG that he had, which is oh. funny because like yeah. those are built like a, a, a Tylenol capsule and, <laughs> and 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 just as easy to get into. Um, but he had one there; it was important to him. And then we had a bitchin' one in the Fiero that yeah. he had as well. But the the Pioneer at home was dope. And when I see their vintage, quote-unquote vintage ones, it's not a quote-unquote, they're actual vintage ones because from the time, and they look just like that one, like they lit up green, I remember. Yep. Yep. Um, And so the house one was awesome. And so we always had great stereos at home. Then my mom did as well, being a a music head. Um, And so that was always great. And I, you know, I was being a rocker for all my teens and 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 20s i i just i didn't have money to spend on a car let alone a stereo in the car so like i remember when we were growing up andy castro had a nice stereo in the jetta i remember yeah you know always we in had a jetta. friends who had Fucking jetta. Money. always in a jetta or the <laughs> or the chicks that you were dating i remember honda civics like every girl i dated ever had a honda civic it seemed <laughs> and 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 they had fine stereos in them uh yeah but like my, everything that i ever had seemed to like only play like <laughs> the vintage station too so like i feel like every every stereo i had played only like mighty 690 <laughs> <laughs> i 
that's not true, but that's ten my memory Q. Of it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, you you your our stereos back then were so shitty that like FM wouldn't work. Uh, I can only get AM in this car. <laughs> sorry, you say yeah. that to your friends. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 It's my and bug. Like, You're like you had a bug. All friends had a bug. Yeah. You only got AM. <laughs> Indicative right. of how good the stereo was if we if Damon and I are also going to to in that same rabbit going to rehearsal and <laughs> and South Central in that car. Uh, smoking cigarette butts out of the cigarette <laughs> ashtray because we didn't have any fucking yeah. money. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, no, the stereo wasn't awesome if you're doing that, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah, no, assholes. The, uh, yeah. It's- <laughs> Aaron, uh, rewind a little bit to your dad and the Fiero. Was that the sound system where he turned to you? Because Aaron's got all the, we've all got great quotes from our childhood, oh, but yeah. Aaron's got a ton yeah. of them that I that I that are just, you know emblazoned. You in my know brain. them. You're, you did, know them. when when your dad turned to you while listening to um, "I Want You," she's so heavy by the Beatles, <laughs> and Paul does his that famous from do 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 do, and and your dad turns to you and says. This is a real tour de force for Paul. <laughs> real tour de force for Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so every time I hear that song, I always think of Chuck saying, "This is a real tour de force." Let me adjust the low end for you. <laughs> and he fucking wasn't wrong. Still's not it, wrong. No, it was a very accurate statement, it's but right it's still on the a very, money. It's very memorable as a very as heavy. a thing that someone said about very that heavy. song. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a moment. Uh, it's a moment between father and son that uh, yeah. <laughs> is un it is unsullied by everything else that sullies those that relationship. It's a, <laughs> it's a pure <laughs> moment yeah, between father thanks and to the son. Stereo, yeah, and in fact, thanks, he's Paul a bass McCartney. player, and you're a bass player. You know, you know what a tour de force is now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be a real tour de force is you helping me out with my rent, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dumb musician. How about breaking me off a slice? <laughs> oh god that well was, uh, that I, was my thought about stereos is i just it was just such a time in our lives when when that was a thing to have a stereo and all your friends and i remember when you guys just said about the about the green Aaron, about right. lighting up green that, that mm-hmm. i i looked it up a little bit and researched it and like they have vintage ones now like the blah punk whatever 430s or whatever they're bringing it back and it mm-hmm. has all the new technology in it that lights up with that that green and everything and i remember you mean like a home one like the <clears> home no tour? for the for the car for the car right right right. yeah and they're available everywhere they're like they have vintage ones for thousands of dollars that are on right. um ebay and other stereo trader places and i remember the one that got me right now was it because then car manufacturers would make deals with stereo manufacturers and i remember that porsche made a deal with becker and you like dude it's a fucking becker yeah. it's out of a porsche yeah. Who'd you get it from? I got it from a guy. Don't ask me how. <laughs> but I have a fucking Becker in my Scirocco. It's not in a Porsche. Okay. So I just got it. Okay. Your stereo was a television doctor for two seasons played by <laughs> Ted Danson? Wow. That is a deep pull. How many people know what Becker is? Your stereo was a red-haired tennis player? <laughs> <laughs> no, Boris Becker gag. I love That's right. it. That's right. <laughs> I wish you're gonna I had talk, one to, You listen one to this up, pod, you're going you're gonna to hear about some fucking German tennis players. You're going yeah. to get some deep Becker pulls. Like I wish I had not. one. I cannot do it any yet. But um, I remember then I'm uh, with my friend Jim, and of course he has a Jetta, and he gets a new Kenwood, I believe, and it was no one had seen this before, and he went, he went, I went, wow, that looks great, and it was all that glowing green. He goes, watch this, and there's a button, and he presses the button, and it can be orange or blue. Oh. You can choose the color that you'd like your stereo okay. to be. I was like, oh, shit. That's it doesn't cool. matter what it sounds like. And on that point, I would joke around all the time, and I still do, 
that even when now I don't, and I don't know if it's just who I am, but I don't give a shit about technology really, where even when someone buys a new TV and goes, it's 65 inches, or when you go to the sales person, they're like, this one's the Sony Deep Black and all the colors and buy, and same with stereos. It's going to sound like this, and I always say, will it, will, I always say about TVs, I go, um, will, it make the, uh, will it make the shows better or the Miami Dolphins win more games? Because <laughs> if it Short doesn't, you don't care. I don't really yeah. give a shit about what it looks like when I'm in my, yeah. like, what, I don't understand what you're saying. Why should I pay you $1,200 for this television or whatever it is yeah. where I, you know, and I felt the same way about about stereos and things. Like, will it make will it make the music better? And and I really, what really got me <clears throat> was when the technology emerged of um, you know, eye shuffles and eye uh, what's the first one called? The iPod pods where you could fit five thousand songs. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, I can get five thousand songs. And then you put you put your five thousand songs on. You start listening. And you'd be like, you know, in my case, say like, oh, the first song, Sweet Emotion. Oh, good song. All right, yeah, yeah. And then Back in Black was next. and But you've heard these songs a million times, and somehow you expect them to be better because the technology's better. Right. But they're just still the same song, mm-hmm. and they're great songs, but you've heard them so many times. But somehow you expect, because now you're not limited by, say, the mixtape format of 90 minutes, now you can just do as many as you want. It'll somehow be better, and the experience will be better. Like, but it's, it's not. It's, it's not. almost <laughs> like, you're, like you're, you're envisioning in your own world what goes on in commercials. Yes. Someone right. someone hits a button and kind of turns around and looks at everyone else at the party and you know back in black starts or yeah, something right. <laughs> yeah, and they all right. sort of get up and start yeah. dancing. That's yeah. the George pictures happening right. in yeah. his house all right. the time. Yeah. Right. Yes. For some reason, everyone's always over at George's house and get prepping yeah. to dance. They're of course. Think of what you know, think of what standby. George think of what George <laughs> is asking of technology. He's saying it's it's already like oh wow look at all these songs. You're asking for the actual content to be changed by I virtue am. of the I technology am. <laughs> yes i am i'm like no oh. wonder the robots are angry with us <clears throat> exactly <they're laughs> angry. like the fuck are you at what what why would it be better i can't control what this is you're hearing it better it eh, doesn't sound that good um <laughs> my final point on on stereos is yeah. i as you as we're talking about and your first statement was musicians always have broken stereos yeah. i'm remembering from mccartney's uh sort of like authorized biography that was written in the nineties with his friend. And he just tells a lot of stories of the, of the days in swinging London and everything. And he made that exact point. Paul McCartney. He goes, I'd be going over to like, you know, Jeff Beck's house or (laughs) Eric Clapton's or, or, you know, Donovan just to hang out and smoke some weed and listen to tunes. And everyone's stereo was broken. (laughs) We're talking about like the the cream of the crop, pardon the pun, but the cream of the crop of, of, uh, of rock stars back then. And none of, he said, none of them had a stereo that worked. (laughs) So there's something about that. It is true. (laughs) It is true. All right. Any more stereo thoughts, Aaron, over there? No, except for I miss the mighty 690. (laughs) <laughs> yeah who doesn't you're right fucking san diego man you're right f-a-m-a baja california god that was mexico it. I fuck that. oh Mighty my god that was it yeah oh my gosh i feel like i'm in san diego state and drunk on rum <laughs> i remember two things about the mighty 691 they played turning japanese twice and like once in, twice in a row once uh and then i won missing persons tickets to to Riverside really? Raincross Square being a caller on the Mighty 690. <laughs> Whoa. And did you have to answer a question or you were just like number six or something? I don't fucking know. I think I was just a number. Uh, I feel like a number. You're uh, not a number to me, baby. <laughs> yeah, but I do remember I had to get some fucking ride out to goddamn Riverside. 
<laughs> yeah, Mighty Six. Were, were they good? Was Missing Persons good? Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, on they were. The, uh, fucking Bozios, the both of them. Rhyme and Reason, <laughs> Rhyme and Reason tour. But yeah, it was fucking amazing. So yeah. good. Yeah, Dale with the fucking fish bowls on her tits, right? Yeah. <laughs> God bless. God, yeah, God they're bless motherfuckers. Her. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's what. God bless uh, my six ninety. Uh, yeah. Long may it rain in my in my mind. <laughs> and whatever speakers they're coming through. Aaron's call was was so iconic that I believe you can find it on YouTube of, of like 14 year old Aaron winning tickets. Google Hi, Aaron, Aaron Britt wins uh, tickets. Pasadena. <laughs> I love hey, missing man, persons. <laughs> Far out. Can you play walking in LA? <laughs> you know, it's true. Maybe his That's balls had dropped by then. I don't know. <laughs> when you break it apart. <laughs> Totally true. <laughs> okay, so good, uh, good topic of yeah. discussion, yeah. and uh, Kibitz Corner, I should say. Yeah, and uh, I guess we should start torture. I believe I have to go first because Aaron, when you guys were torturing me last, I like uh, we're always confused about this. <laughs> we're always confused. Who went first? Should there be a I note on the wall or something? Or a... yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of notes on the wall, I'm glad you brought that up. You know what we haven't been doing, and I know why we haven't been doing this. What? We haven't been like actually keeping score. Oh. If you go on earandloathing.com, you'll see the score. But yeah. here's the problem. Yeah. We're about four weeks ahead, so the score we're talking about now is different than we'll the be score. it'll be okay on the episode yeah. when it airs. Yeah. But I can't go on the website and look at our score because it's not accurate. Like four episodes wow. have passed since then. So what I did is I, I put yeah. the actual you, score you on the wall. Tally. I do you have, have a tally. I do have a tally on the on the wall right now. <laughs> Of currently what's going on. And I'm losing. <laughs> yeah, it's Aaron three, Damon three, and George two. Now, you're going to fall even further behind today because you can't yeah, win I can't even points. win. I can't win today. But, uh, and one of us, Aaron, is going to pull ahead. So Ooh. it's going to be four to three to two. It's a grudge at match. At the end of this episode. But you, then you'll have two opportunities, George, uh, two yeah. in a row yeah. to catch yeah. up yeah. in first place. So it's crunch time, fucking guys. Songs, yeah. It's crunch times. These fucking songs, no matter who wins, we all lose. So <laughs> it's crunch time for me. We, we all have big, uh, big, big zeros. I our... need a locker room speech for next week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I'm supposed to go first. Does that sound right, Aaron? Win or go home. What yeah, did we do last it. week? What was, yeah. it was yeah. Aaron. I went. Well, I went first and I won. Uh, That's right. So yeah. it doesn't always work. But okay. um, there yeah. is there is strength in going second, being the last thing that the person hears in a, from a voting perspective. Okay, so then I'm going to go first, and I'm just right. going to kick it off. Uh, it. We, first of all, we have to send George down to the torture chamber. So, George, march your ass down there right now. Here I go. Torture chamber. Okay, I'm not going to bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. Anger. Pain. Torture. The, the, the looks on our faces right now, what are those, those two, those two uh, drama masks? Like one sad comedy and tragedy, comedy, comedy tragedy. tragedy. Yeah, yeah that's the, yeah. those are the two faces in the room yeah, right now. Yeah, like I'm yeah. going, I'm listening to that going torture, <laughs> and George is also. I gotta <laughs> go down it. Single tear rolling down as he okay. as he heads down. Hit me. This I, I believe I, I'm not. I'm going to preface this with one thing. I believe this character is probably going to show up quite a bit as a as a uh, as a implement of torture moving forward. Oh, okay. But here's 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 the first his Intriguing. first his first appearance. Okay. 
this Mr. John Henley? <laughs> is this all she wants to do is dance? Oh, you fucking... There's a lot of Don Henley songs I like, but not this one. <laughs> mm. I believe a uh, Central American, uh, typical 80s yeah. uh, Central American we, theme. Let's We'll let a, a little, few of the lyrics go by, because i got a lot to say about this song, as I usually do. Let it roll, baby. <clears throat> but we'll we'll get into it a little bit and uh, hear the, 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 the lyrical stylings. Mm. Building up anticipation. Yeah. They're picking up prisoners and putting them in a pen. And all she wants to do is dance, dance. Rebels been rebels since I don't know when. And all she wants to do is dance. So that's the whole song, basically. Yeah, no, I know. It's him saying a line about this this unidentified. Central American conflict that's going on. Well, no, I just read it. I remember reading about this. And here's the thing about it. Here's really the thing about this for me. As as, as that open is happening, um, my head starts to hurt. I feel like I'm turning red. <laughs> and, and I am, I guess, because the reason is, is I know and Aaron's touched on this when we wrote songs about your influences, but that you can't help taking it in that I know already the lyrics. I know what he's going to say. I can hear it in my head. And I hate myself and I hate him for that I know it. And I know all these words. And I don't know why. I don't never own this song. I don't like it. <laughs> and if you played a different one, I like I like Boys of Summer. And sure. I like uh, Dirty Laundry. Even. Yeah. I just fucking hate this song. So good choice. This is a very surgical strike. Because I like Don Henley. There's <laughs> a lot of Don Henley I like. Right. But uh, a parenthetical thought. about the, To me, this is fucking Dirty Laundry. It's the same fucking song, practically. It's almost like the same melody, the same beat. Um, but not as groovy or something. Or well, no, not dirty or... no, I'm saying Dirty yeah. Laundry is a good song. Yeah. And that up to this point, like you, you Same knew drum Don Henley. machine, drum machine kind of loopy. Yeah. Right? yeah you yeah, knew yeah. Don Henley from the Eagles. Yeah. You probably liked him if you were our age because you liked the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And then and then you heard before this song, you heard Dirty Laundry yeah. uh, and you heard Boys of Summer. And you're and you're at the point where you're going. I'm pretty sure I like Don Henley. I mean, he's he he's just got good. Is songs. this on that record? I don't know. This where is this... on Building the Perfect Beast. Okay, uh, and that's... just just for the factual information, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was uh, Building the Perfect Beast. Also had Boys of Summer, which is about 86. 84. 84. Okay, and then this was released as a single in '85. Yeah, but I guess my point was like, I, I, I kind of feel this way about Phil Collins too. Like, mm-hmm. you think you like you Don Henley? Ass. <laughs> watch your ass you watch your ass i like phil no, collins no phil Co- aaron come on phil collins it, you know he was one of the guys that you like all right i don't want to get into a whole phil collins thing here's my point about don henley i can apply some of this to phil collins so we'll, we'll, we'll argue about phil later okay but don henley up to this point you thought i like him i'm a fan of don henley and then this fucking song came out and i was I, what was i 15 or something when mm-hmm. this came 15 16 yeah. and i'm like what the fuck? It's like Susudio. This is the equivalent of Susudio to me. It's like, like, I, they sound Sus- similar. It's the same. It's, it's the. It's I the like same this, tempo and everything. I think I like this guy. 
I like his stuff I've heard with his band, Genesis Eagles. And mm-hmm. I and I like the solo songs I've heard so far. I, I'm pretty sure I'm a Phil Collins fan or a Don Henley fan. And then mm-hmm. this shit comes out. And you just go, even at a 15-year-old where you should be susceptible to liking anything, especially from an artist you like. Yeah. This this immediately was rejected. The, my, my filter just came up. It was. Went, no. You're right. You're right. I don't right want now, anything too. to do with this fucking song. It's amazing it does now. It's, uh, it's kind of like a... <laughs> and, and so back to the lyrics. This ambiguous story about i think here's the point i think don in in his infinite 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 wisdom and uh and and telling us how to how we should be thinking and acting mm. he's saying there's all this stuff going on in in all these other countries but we americans you're an are asshole because so, you're having we're, fun we're so privileged yeah <laughs> so right, i guess yeah. all she wants to do is dance is mm-hmm. is uh you know america or something it's it's a really vague, you know. Kind I thought of, it was that he the other way, yeah. <laughs> that there was there was I, my my take was that he was making fun of American outrage at things that happen in third world countries. When inside, when you're in that, when you're this, I imagine this gal living there and yeah. like uh, pinko uh, bleeding heart, <laughs> Americans saying like. Hey man, can't you, how could you how could you live like this? You know, under this oppressive regime, and 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 she's like, whatever. I just want to dance. This is my right. life. She's trying to this live day to life. day. I'm yeah. just trying to live day to day, and yeah. I'm trying to find. So my thought is that like, and why, and and I think that he, and ex- extending from that, that he was probably one of them. Like he was those guys. He's just saying, we Americans, it's a funny place to come at from a place of pity. That it, that's was what yes. I thought was happening. Me Whether too. or not that's true, that's what I thought was happening. No, no, and I do too. And here's what I'm pissed about: that I know that. Why do I fucking know that? <laughs> I read an article. I'm seeing Ron Reagan's face and remembering myself at that time, and I just well, he likes I don't to like be, it. <laughs> Don Don lives in a place where of wanting to write in a Randy Newman kind of way from time to time, and effectively oh. does. But mm-hmm. I, but yeah, they were close, the Eags and and Rand. Uh, the you know the the Eagles were on a lot of did a lot of backups for Randy Newman and oh. uh, and so they come from similar places and and so I think that in Randy Newman's hand in a different sort of Susudio production world there you could have more have a more interesting song but as it is you're just sort of beaten across the face <laughs> with <laughs> with the way this is done and and it doesn't change at all. There's that middle eight where it changes musically, but it really sounds the same. There's that weird guitar that's not a guitar becomes a sax that's not a sax later on. Are you saying that so so maybe Don wanted to get laid and not be Randy Newman, who is more nerdy? No, no. Because this song will he, get you laid, but the other one, but Randy Newman's not I don't really know a rock I, star. I don't think that Don fucking ever sweat getting laid because I just, you know. Well, right, because he when was you're a rock drowning star. Drowning in vag. But Randy Newman's not a rock star, right? Well, the way not Don by the strictest definition, but like no. I think that he wanted to write clever in that way, and I think that he believes that this is what that is, and I well, think that my really? variation of it is more interesting, which I think is what he thinks. Oh. So I think that he's trying to achieve that, like rather than people just want to dance, he's saying no, 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 no. The person who's in it, it's closest, a metaphor. Okay, for a the country. person who's in it closest <laughs> just wants to be that, and we're outraged, but it's an empty outrage. It's an impotent rage. Mm-hmm. Because what does it mean? It's an empty gesture. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you guys a big curveball. Throw it. Because guess what? Don Henley didn't write this song. Oh fuck. Right in my balls. <laughs> Who wrote this? De- now this name may sound familiar to you, and yeah. I'm gonna tell you why. 
Danny Korchmar. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. But somewhere in my head, that is, I knew we were going to say that. And I hate I, myself for it. The only the, the thing, Fuck. like, I'm going to, I suspect. Is this fucking manager? No, no. He was a guitar player and kind of a songwriter. And he okay. worked, I have the list here. He he worked with, he's this kind of luminary in this, in this seven, like early 70s, uh, Laurel Canyon troubadour scene. Yeah. It's like J.D. Like, Souther li- in them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Linda okay. Ronst- he, he worked with Linda Ronstadt, James Taylor, and uh, Carol King, Carly Simon, Jackson Brown. I mean, the, Danny Korchmar has worked with all these people. Yeah. And all I can theorize, because this song is so fucking Don Henley, the, this, the, the kind of luxury tone. Now, I, what your guys' right. theory about flipping the script, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, I, th- I think it's about, personally, that um, it's that the, the she in the song is the U.S. is going, hey, we're... We're just partying over here. We're, it was the 80s, too. Everyone was doing coke as usual. Yeah. And meanwhile, all this other stuff's going on, and they're just ignore, ignoring it and having their American party dancing. That's my. That's what I believe it's about. You, Your guys' theory is perfectly good, but here's the larger point. This is such a Don Henley fucking song. Yeah. I I can't imagine he didn't have a hand in like writing some of these lyrics. They're so luxury. You know, he's, he, he's, he's shaking. It sounds like the way that Don speaks where you're yeah. like, Don just seems like a complete pill to be yeah. around or to listen to. You're like, Jesus fucking lighten up. And and if you look back, he was always lecturing you in the Eagles too. Yeah. Right. And, and so, uh, those songs were so fantastic that you kind of let it, let it go by. But, but this is getting to the point where, you know, I can't imagine like, this is what I picture happening. Uh, Danny Korchmar had this kind of riff. And then was going, no, 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 no. Actually saying this, blah, 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 blah. And all she wants to do is dance. And so Don heard that and went, oh, I know what I can do. I can lecture people about Central American injustice or something and how yeah. Americans don't care. Huh. The fact that his that Henley's name isn't on here, you know, this is a theory of mine. I don't know. It's 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 just solely written by Danny Korsmar, according to the what I found out. And, you know, maybe Henley just went, Hey man, you've helped me out so much over the years. I won't put my name on it. You'll get so it was a difference between oh. him making five hundred thousand dollars in Roy, in songwriting royalties or a million. Like someone, someone maybe, lost a poker hand. Yeah, poker. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give you all the rights. All she wants to do is dance, and then ah, drunkenly, okay. And then oh. and then and, and well, this Danny was a won stacked that stacked record. So he probably said, "What the fuck? Oh, I gotta fucking sweat this shit for. I got yeah. like nine other hits on this goddamn record." Yeah, oh, I, wow. I don't know. I'm just uh, blue skying here about. Why this song sounds exactly how Don Henley writes, and yet his his name isn't isn't on as the songwriter. So he might just be get, doing his buddy Danny a favor and giving him all the songwriter writing royalties, and just saying, "Hey man, just take it as a gift." Um, so who knows? But uh, the the other thing about let's listen to it a little more because I, we're barely into it. I have one confession to make before yeah. we go forward here: is that okay. uh, much like a torture victim. <laughs> I, I find myself trying to extend the conversation here, like make up more things to talk about so I don't have to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, wait, can you help me? I have a child. Don't torture me anymore. I'm a father. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you sign on the dotted line. You know, I know, works. but I'm just confessing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, the confession was trying to delay the song as exactly. well. Exactly. Put so, it on. Put it yeah. on. Molotov cocktail, local. Yeah, we went off track, but it's really just a line about Central American torture or strife going on. And then he follows it up with all she wants to do is dance. That's the entire fucking song. As Aaron said, there's that one sort of stupid key change uh, middle bridge, which is does nothing to improve the song. Well, let's hear it. Fuck, let's hear it. <laughs> 
This could be in Miami Vice episode two as much as Smuggler's Blues was. Yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> yeah, that it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, Didn't you just you know. watch season one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. So everything right. sounds like one to me now. Yeah. Aren't you just fucking utterly bored by the song at this at this point? No, I have a whole different reaction, but keep going. <laughs> it's like, fuck, dude. All right. You sh- all she wants to do is dance over and over and over. <laughs> and by the way, when you listen to it, it sounds like a demo. This doesn't even sound like a completed song. <laughs> I hear that kind of, I don't know what you would describe that guitar tone that he has, Aaron. Yeah, or- I don't, I don't, I, that's always plagued me. Like, I don't know that that is a guitar. It's the same instrument that becomes the sax that's not a sax later on. Yeah, well, well right. it's got to be a keyboard. Let me no, let me tell you about the the, the lineup on this song. Uh, and this is the weird part. Danny Korchmar plays guitar. I'm that's I'm assuming that that rhythmic guitar is as some sort of chorusy uh, fake distortion that's they had like creating synth, that sound. It's almost like pedal or something. Yeah, it's Aaron. It's almost like the uh, a very bad version of the uh dire straits money for nothing sound right oh yeah right yeah but it's been like without the effect it's probably uh like a picky kind of a thing you're right yeah but it's 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 such a lackluster guitar part like it almost sounds like me playing guitar where i can just strum chords that's what this sounds like (laughs) the the danny korchmar who by all reports is, is a fantastic guitar player is i believe this is the demo and then, and because also on here, by the way, Don Henley is is credited as playing drums. I'm not hearing a fucking cymbal tap no, by a real drummer yeah, or anything. To, his roadie had an easy day. They didn't have to set up the kit. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't go through any of the heads. No, those heads yeah. live to see another day. There is yeah. no. There's not a. There's not a drum. As far as I can tell, there's not a drum. To Nary be found. a real drum. Here's the crazy part, though. Mm. The two two of the uh, of the. Uh, Musicians on here, and I'm putting that in quotes, are are the two of the guys from from uh, Toto. So Steve Percaro and I don't know how you, is it David Page 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 and right. credited oh, they were on everything. David yeah. Page yeah. credited synthesizers. Steve Percaro <laughs> credited with programming. Like this yeah, is yeah. this is two of the great greatest studio musicians of all time, and and I'm not hearing one. And Steve's thing. not a drummer. They would have got Jeff. If it was the drummer, well, <laughs> Henley su- su- supposedly played drums. Okay, yeah, pro- you're right. Programming, but they, got you, Jeff, <laughs> you're making my point that yeah, like yeah. there's nothing going on in the song that sounds like real people had anything to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, like there's, I believe there's there's Casio settings that you could press that could, you could get this sound. So, and then when these girls come in, let's get to the girls. And I'll tell you who they are because that's another interesting okay, little tidbit. Can't feel the heat. Where's it coming from? Yeah, like uh, she wants to party. <laughs> oh, I hate. I know this. I fucking hate it. Yeah. The first of all, <laughs> yeah. The the uh, feel the feeling the heat coming off the street. That's that's, that's the Glenn, Glenn Fry song. Yeah. 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 The fuck. Yeah. Hands off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're competing for for turds at this point. Uh, all right. So here come here come the girls. Now I, I like them, and I and I uh, 
I just thought they were just these kind of random studio musicians. But that is actually Patty Smythe from Scandal and Martha Davis from the Motels. Wow. Doing the backups. Yeah, which Don, is pretty cool. Uh, he, Don's going to get that fucking upper echelon. Don't have to explain to nobody. Vocal nothing. ass. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just a, such a it's a gigantic waste of all this talent. I guess is my point. It's it's weird to me that like these guys are even credited for doing anything. I mean, I the girls fought fair enough, but but the, all these other guys playing this 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 mush of synthesizer crap. I just feel bad. I feel bad for the other backup singers because somebody goes, "Hey, we need someone to go." Woo! And and Dan and Don just goes, "Hey, let's get let's get Patty and Martha. Give them a call." Yeah. <laughs> and they come down, of course, and someone else could use the job. Oh, sure. Okay. When right. it doesn't doesn't get the job. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> get the best. Why not? I'm Don. You know, it's like girls who lost the convoy <laughs> gig. Right. Exactly. The girls. Who- <laughs> The, it's like right. the uh, yeah. the voiceover actors who who spend decades perfecting their craft, and then they go, "Let's just get Steve Buscemi to come in." Exactly. And, let's get Morgan Freeman. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get uh, what? Who's that idiot that goes Groot? I don't know. Oh, um, the, it's Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. That the, that character's entire uh, dialogue in every movie is just going Groot. He's right. standing in front of a house right now in, in, in Bel Air and has a yellow Lamborghini out front. And he's going, where'd you get this? Groot. Groot, yeah. <laughs> I got this from Groot. Like, me. Look at this. This, that guy doesn't need the money, but it's you know I get that it's very good marketing. So sure. okay. uh, anyway, that, yeah, you're right about these two, though. Like Martha and Patty probably could have handed this over to someone. Uh, to anyone. Yeah, right. Any, to anyone. And so, but all right, here we go. Let's keep carrying on with this. With this. Sure. What is that? Is that a harmonica? Yeah, it's a fake. It's a. It's all it's synthesizer. A, it's a DX7. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just remember hearing that this pitch bending thing over here, right? The, yeah, yeah. Right? He's got the little roller <laughs> yeah, right. thing with the knot, the uh, handle on it. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I just remember hearing this as a kid and going, "Shut the fuck up with this, with this shit," you know. Sometimes you didn't have control over the stereo, and you just—it had to. Or, or, speaking of stereos, yeah, uh, and and it just had to play, and you're just going, "Get Never this had over control with the stereo." Yeah. This was a, this was an album that many people's like everybody's mom had this in the same way that everybody's mom had Graceland, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, and right. so as a result, you would have you would hear this societally and then you would hear this in a familial setting, typically when when you know mom was letting her hair down. Um, because <laughs> yeah, know, long exactly. the office, yeah. which you know, this the, I, a little more about the song. This was used in a uh, Coyote Ugly later, where the, sure. I guess it's Cameron Cameron Diaz and whoever else are dancing on the bar. All she wants to do, and oh, I, so I, I just picture our moms, just hypothetical divorced moms of the seventies. Yeah. Like this comes on, and they're probably not even thinking about the Central American theme or anything. They're just going, "It's true." It's like Catherine McCowney. All Catherine <laughs> County wants it's to do is dance. Fucking cat. She all she wants to do is dance. And uh, yeah, this was this this. It's co- got a good beat. I can dance to it. I give it a ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all right, continue on, please. And by the way, Aaron will appreciate this. Not only okay. I believe Smuggler's Blues or or something. One of one of the Glenn Fry songs was about kind of Central American dr- yeah, drug, drug traffic yeah, yeah. and, and whatever. Smuggler's like. Blues. Let's not forget the best one. That's an actually fantastic song. Is Undercover of the Night by the Stones. Mm-hmm. Oh right. 
Um, I don't even know that song. Earlier. And I had no idea that's what that was about. And there seemed to be a lot of songs back like that then song that, <laughs> that sort of had these had these themes of something's going on. It's uh, you know, I ran Contra or something. Yeah, 80s, right? Yeah, 80s. Well, the songs but, uh, were singing other death squads. In, yeah, uh, right. Like El Chile Salvador. Yeah, El Salvador. Yeah. 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 And and so Don's angle was to lecture you about it, how you're not paying enough attention to it, mm-hmm. you know, or something. Yeah, some, yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even figure out how to be specific about it. They think the guy, that- you know, going with my interpretation, which I believe is the kind of general interpretation in the articles I read. Again, I'm not I'm not denying that you got mm-hmm. your guys' theory isn't, isn't valid. I'm just saying, if you go with that, who was partying? And 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 fucking around more than guys like Don Henley in the seventies and eighties. Well, like the, the coke comes from the Central America, right? Well, yeah. And he <laughs> he he. The Eagles tours were nonstop debauchery, and and the flowing of booze and drugs and chicks groupies coming in and out. I mean, it was like this guy lecturing us for like, a dude. I just need I need to not think about the news for a while, and I'm gonna just get get drunk this weekend. Nope, not according to Don Henley. Can't do it. <laughs> Okay for Don, yeah. not okay for you. Fucking limousine liberals. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this guy so much. By by the way, Don, just buy Walden Park. Remember when they were doing <laughs> right, right, yeah, or right. Walden Pond. Yeah, Walden when you're done Pond, not partying right. and having to be forced to listen, to what I have to say, we're gonna read fucking yeah. Emerson. <laughs> like, sit down. He was lecturing us about Walden God Pond and saying. You need to contribute money to this this concert. Just cuts we're doing. off the stereo and says we're going to read we're going to read some poetry now. And everyone's like, "What? Come on, put the music back on!" No, oh. <laughs> I like that. I want a party. I want to get down. <laughs> what? What? Don? Why have you? Let me, party, guys. I have Don? something to say. Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> I, I I just I, he infuriates me because like the at, back then it was like. We need to raise $2 million to preserve Walden Pond. And I'm like, dude, between the, the people on that fucking stage doing this, it's it's Don Henley, it's Sting, it's Paul Simon, whoever the fuck, James Taylor. Between, you guys could like, you guys have this fucking money. Check your in, car. In your yeah. car. There's in your yeah. change in your in car. Your car in, the, in the under your couch cushions. There's You could fucking buy Walden Pond. Shut the fuck up. I'm trying up. to save money for a blah punk, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, Jetta. Hypocrisy <laughs> and compensation uh, mm-hmm. are especially annoying in artists, and that's exactly where my song comes from too. Oh, good. Uh, oh, this good. week was very strange how Thematic. how aligned they are. Thematic. Aaron tying it all together. How much is left? You have this? to, as a broadcaster, you have to, so that we can continue on. We're flying a little off the rails. I bring it back in. Remember what the show is about, and moving on. All right. By the way, we, we we'll do another like minute of this or something because we need George to be properly tortured. But this like this from after the first like like thirty seconds of the song, you've heard the entire thing. So. And then he's talking the lyrics, you know, <laughs> Paul Simon. <laughs> and all she wants to do is dance, dance. They still can sell the army, all the drugs that they can do. And all she wants to do is, all she wants to do is dance and make romance. I understand the and make romance part I other do. than it rhymes. I do. This song sounds like the way. Uh, like during COVID when people couldn't taste anymore, like this is just a bunch of stuff, but there's no, there's no taste. They're like, shit, I can't taste the fucking milkshake. Oh no, I'm dying. I'm dying. 
my last point I want to make, uh, and this is just kind of a uh, an overall <laughs> overall <laughs> annoyance with this group of characters, which is as we described them earlier, the Laurel Canyon sort of troubadour singer songwriter culture that was going on in the, in the in the early 70s and yeah. again it's the James Taylors and the Carly Simons and the Carol Kings and the and the and the you know uh Crosby Stills and Nash guys and everything and you know the Eagles kind of kind of were at the tail end of that and became a rock yeah. band as opposed yeah. to being singer songwriters but Jackson Brown's another one yeah uh this Danny Korchmar character now I didn't never thought I would other than hearing his name a lot and just knowing, oh, he's a guy who was in that thing. I, mm. I never thought that I would actually have to look into him, mm. and then and then, subsequently be annoyed by him. Yeah, and he sort of is part of that that crew who wants to write a lot about that scene. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, a few of his song titles um, are the Sunset Grill he co-wrote. That's that mm. an actual place on I believe yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, Honey, don't leave L.A. It's another song he wrote. Here, here's one you're going to appreciate. This mm. goes back to last week. He wrote a song that James, or sorry, Jackson Brown sang called Shaky Town. Yeah, Shaky Town. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess that was like the, the funny, cool name for L.A. back then. Shaky Town, huh? <laughs> but, uh, but then he, he uh, Korchmar, who, who was kind of in this group of, of uh, session guys with Russ Kunkel and Lee Sklar and Kunkel the drummer. Lee Sklar, the bass player, and a guy, Craig Dirge. I don't know how to say his name. D-O-E-R-G-E. But they were this kind of crew that played on all these guys, like James Taylor. Yeah. Like, they, were the, they were the backing band for all Linda Ronstadt and all those people. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking awesome players. I'm not going to say disparage their abilities at all. What I, what I do find annoying is kind of what boomers tend to do is, is just celebrate that thing that they did a long time ago, forever. And so they did a, th- th- those guys formed a band called The Section, which is this kind of pretentious way of saying we're the rhythm section mm-hmm. for these things. And, and I don't know what, they put an you album out. You name it, we played it. Yeah. And, and, and you but name they, it, we played it, tour. They actually, they actually had a band, like an, a, a, I guess they did original songs or something. I don't know who sang. I don't know what it was, but it's kind of weird to me that they consider themselves so important that they need it form their own original band called the section with that sort of we're the section you know you, you know that you guys mm-hmm. so um and then they also uh a couple of them it certainly uh uh danny korchmar was on this a tour called with uh featuring carol king and james taylor called the troubadour reunion tour oh i did not see so, that didn't catch and that this one. is like 2010 at this point these guys are still just living in this like t- little tiny time period that they think is more important than it actually is look tons of hits came from that tons of great songs came from that a lot of success and careers came from that i'm not going to say it wasn't a hotbed of activity but c- could you have just have a little humility and and I, these guys can't. These fucking boomers cannot stop sucking their own dicks. And so, for for I never thought this guy Danny Korshmar would annoy me, but he does. So anyway, I, that was my rant about the the Laurel Canyon Just, Troubadour. So your assault on Danny Korshmar. Yeah, <laughs> he probably doesn't deserve it, but but I just these guys, these fucking fuck boomers, him. Yeah, these right, guys right. annoy me like Clapton and all these guys. They just go away with your fucking reu- Troubadour reunion tours. Okay. There it is. There's the okay, key change. Right. 
with the exception of this part, if you just if you just walked into a room, the nature of this song and the way it's produced and recorded and performed, if you just ran into a room and this song was on, you would have no way of knowing what part of the song it was. So you don't know if you're coming or going. You mean everything except the bridge? Right, yes. with the exception yes. of this part. Yeah. You, re- you wouldn't know at all. It has no unique qualities to it in any part. And because the lyrics are so dumb... <laughs> You don't know, like, is this the beginning of this fucking load, or is this yeah. fucking like, where where are we with this fucking hot wad of a fucking, fucking oh god? Um, it's like when 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 uh, fucking Geldof saw that moment uh, that spurt that on on BBC about how awful fucking the Africa situation was, and he was spurred on to do great things. These dudes saw you know brought their head up from the fucking coke mirror for two seconds long enough to say, oh yeah, Central America. And, and, and it sounds like it, you know, or looked at a fucking globe. And, and it wasn't, they, by the way, there was no sort of benefit concert like Geldof no, came up with. It, no, it like was, I'm happened. going to lecture people for their behavior. By the way, ba- behavior, which I celebrated for the last decade and, and, and participated and, in. And, and yeah. actively supported by doing it. Like, <laughs> they, like the, the, yeah, the yeah. Coke user does more than to support that than say the government. You're the problem, does. Don. Right. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, that's a fucking great point. Like, the guy who hoovered up enough coke to keep, you know, five hundred uh, Central, Central American gangs in, in business in business is lecturing us. But fuck this guy, man! And you say it as if it was in the past. I mean, it's fucking nineteen eighty four, baby. Yeah, yeah, they're deep time in it. coke time. Um, one question. Uh, so, because I'm, I'm interested now, I never thought of this before. So, thanks for sticking this in my fucking eye. <laughs> um, do it. Does um. I'm thinking of so the noise this thing is making this saxophone or whatever this harmonica saxophone is. You remember in I'm going to say Money Changes Everything, the Cindy Lauper song. There's a guy that maybe has a tiny Casio, oh the guy from the Hooters. He has a Casio keyboard that's small, but it has a horn on it's, it. And yeah, he, and he starts playing it. Yeah, is that what this is? No, well, what the fuck do you call that I, thing? Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the guy from the Hooters? Mm-hmm. Who? who he, well, this, is that what this yeah. is? Yeah, Donald think... Fagan uses that from time to time as well. It's what a, is it? It's a, it's a. It's a. I don't know. It's a. I think well, it's I'll called tell you a Hooter. What it is. A Saxio Casio. <laughs> a Saxo Casio. It's. It's. Well, it's I'll tell you one thing that doesn't like happen to me, and I don't know why I know that. <laughs> yeah, you don't get any nanny when you play one of those because you you can't look like a bigger douche. Yeah, right. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. But that's what this sounds like. Yeah, I mean, probably. what's the video? When they cut to the video, what's who's, who's doing this? Maria Conchita Alonso dancing. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a Central American street. Yeah, yeah anywhere. In, in, on Alvera Street. Okay. I, you guys, I may be wrong. In fact, I'm going to look it up. But my theory is that that thing, and I'm not joking, is yeah. called a hooter. That's and that the band named themselves after that thing. Am I am I wrong about that, Aaron? Do you, that I'm gonna break right? something. I just fuck. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> Might as well. It's as good a name as any. That's how we described it. Oh, melodica. Melodica. That's it. Okay, here we that's go. It. All right, I, I was I was partially okay, right. Okay, but that's is that the sound of what this is? Uh, they may be trying to replicate it, but I th- no one. It doesn't say melodica in the credits. It just says programmed by the guys from Toto. So some gonna, dickhead was playing yeah, it on a synthesizer. Yeah, but who's going to admit to playing a melodica? Except the guys from the Hooters. Nobody. Because <laughs> it's like a saxophone meets a harmonica. Am I right? With that sound? Well, yeah, it's, but it's also, it's a synthesized thing. This, look, this is what you're talking about. I'm yeah, showing I know George what it looks like. Okay. I know what it looks yeah. like. I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the only good thing about my song today is that it doesn't have one of those on it. Maybe. <laughs> just... I just found something to like about it just now. Thanks, guys. Well, whether it's a melodic or not, and I don't think it is, but um, at least with the, like Cindy Lauper is likable. Her songs are generally likable. Fuck yeah. The, but she, but she, and she wasn't lecturing you like fucking Don Henley is I doing. Like money changes everything. I know. So I'm. <laughs> I like well, everything about Cindy Lauper. What, what's that? I like everything about Cindy. Sure, of course. I, she bop I, I, <laughs> I love that song too. <laughs> but uh, sixty nine did that song. Did the fuck out of it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I was I was on stage for that. I hate both of you then. Goddamn right. <laughs> All right, so we, you know, do we need to carry on with this yeah, fucking yeah, thing? Yeah, yes, we do. Now I can think of somebody playing that now. <laughs> yeah, like this is the opportunity for a celebrated guitar player, Danny Korchmar, to take a legitimate cool guitar solo. I'm telling you guys, this is a fucking demo that they just dressed up with a couple good backup singers and this some sort of shitty fake uh, melodica sounds or something. This doesn't sound like a, a finished song at all. Like, as Aaron said, other than that, that really awful bridge that just happened, it's the same fucking thing over and over again. Korchmark had all she wants to do is dance and said, Don, finish this. And that's what happened. I, I guarantee that's what happened. Okay. And, but- and they just piled some shit on his demo. All right, can I take issue though with your a couple of backup singers? <laughs> Martha Davis I said good. and Patty I said, Smith. I said Smythe. But I wasn't dismissing them. I was okay. saying they're the a, a nice element that they, they They're the only two other organic bits of business on this. <laughs> yeah. That have cells and protozoa. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear it. <sighs> Like right now, if you walked in, you wouldn't know, is this beginning? Is this ending? Is it? Yeah. I mean, maybe that guitar lick doesn't come in there to meet it, but it's the same. It's just a useless fucking bit of business. And they're, they're, they're doubling down on these parts that you really only need need to hear once, Mm -hmm. you know? You already done that. Yeah, I'm. I, I promise you, Henley wrote these lyrics. This doesn't. This sounds so like him. It's so Miami Vice. Aaron's yeah. right. It sounds like a Miami Vice. C- can we stop? I, I hate. I hate this. I can't okay, take fine. it. I'm torturing I myself more than you. Okay. Good. Let me out of this. <laughs> don't come back here, Yankee. But if right, I yeah. do, I yeah. bring my money. I I do love how he at that at one point Settle he just down, starts Don. talking lyrics. I saved at a minute of five of knives in my fucking eyes. By the way, this is the sound of me trying to suck more alcohol out of the ice. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right, so we're done with that that fucking garbage. So, uh, do you want to move on to Aaron's yeah, contribution? Sure. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> now that we got George on the ground, let's just keep pounding him. I have three ribs broken. I have seven more. Or whatever. I, <laughs> I do not know what Aaron's song is, and I'm I'm about to cue it up for the either. first time. And here, anything you want to say about it beforehand, or just start it in? Uh, no, no. It speaks for itself. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> what the fuck is this? All right, so Aaron... What uh, is this? This is uh, watching Scotty grow. 
<laughs> a, I don't know what this is. This song that was written, came out in 1971. Um, I'm going to pull was, up the lyrics, Aaron. Who is this? It was written by, written by Mac Davis. Uh, oh. Famous for, songwriter? Yeah, for Bobby Goldsboro. Well, he, it was written and then uh, Mac was like, I'm going to put it on my record. And then uh, the, <laughs> Mo Austin said, it sounds like a Bobby Goldsboro song. <laughs> and so, no, you're not. And so, Mo he, Austin, no, you're not. So uh, they 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 showed it to uh, 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 Bobby, who said, "I like it. Uh, any shot that I could call it watching Danny grow because Danny's my son's name." And Max said, "No." <laughs> and so it's watching Scotty grow. And Scotty is Max's son, who's five years old at the time. And the whole reason for this fucking song is that he had to. He was broke up with his old lady, Mac Davis, but he he had an office that he shared at 900 uh, Sunset. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, or 9,000, rather. 9,000, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that he shared with from uh, Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> and so he went there to go to work, and he had the kid with him because his wife was sick, or his ex-wife was sick, so he had the kid. And he's like, I got to go to work. This fucking kid won't shut up. And he says as much. He goes, the kid wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> Well, so this is this is why everything in this song refers back and upsets me because of overcompensation and hypocrisy. Well, get a so, fucking nanny. You so have the money. The, What's his the problem? Yeah. So he's in there. And then he said, in order to get the kid to shut up, I gave him a yellow pad of paper and said, draw me a picture. And in the time that the kid wrote the picture, which the, which dad references in the fucking and makes fun of, by the way, in this quote unquote. <laughs> Look at this asshole's drawing. He's six. Yeah, he, ah! so he, he wrote a hit in in about forty minutes from start to finish, uh, and uh, hypocrisy reigns supreme uh, throughout. Are you saying it's hypocrisy? Uh, are you saying no, we'll talk more about it? We we'll just okay. like listen, Let's hear a little. listen to the words and the sweetness of it and the easy listening of it, and then we'll talk about the it's hypocrisy. Pretty horrifying. <laughs> There he sits with a pen and a yellow pad What a handsome lad That's my boy I know this, okay, I know this B-R-L-F-Q spells mom and dad Well that ain't too bad Cause that's my boy I know this Well you can have your TV and your nightclubs And you can have your driving picture show I'll stay here with my little man near We'll listen to the radio Biding my time and watching Scotty grow All right, so one of the things that's true about it is that so he's, there's this, there's this ridiculous sort of easy listening vibe going on and it's a child of its time with that weird horn thing that's happening which was like omnipresent and, and easy listening and this song is a massive hit but it's written from this point of view and it sounds where it's ostensibly about my relationship with my sweet boy. Like, I don't care if what he wrote makes no sense because that's my boy. You know, I don't care if, if the things he says are annoying because that's my boy. But what he's saying is, is that <laughs> I'm cool with my kid being <laughs> <laughs> maybe an idiot. <laughs> And and I don't. Wanna, he goes well. That's my boy. And be, and by the way, that's a good point because he's the he's my boy. I am so self centered that because it's mine, da, da da da. Like there's this. He's alluding to this other thing. It sounds at first blush that it's this very sweet moment, but 
like he brings God into it later. And it sounds, and it also strikes me that it sounds like, and what I used to think about it before I cared to read about it was that it sounded like a guy who's in a mental hospital looking out the window <laughs> at either a kid that does exist or does not exist. Yeah. He and lost he's staring his son, at they him. put him in a mental hospital. Yeah, and he's and he's making up this story in his mind uh and like and so he's like lurking. So it either sounds like, you know, a crazy old hobo man wrote it or a disturbed <laughs> man wrote it. What it doesn't sound like is a sweet sensitive dad wrote it. And so it's it's this overly and this is part of the time where all these songs are sort of overwrought with sweetness and emotion and thinking about others at a time where that's the last thing that anybody was doing. Everybody was wilding out on coke. Everybody wasn't being a traditional parent. Everyone was looking out for themselves in their way. They had their reasons, but nevertheless, they weren't living what they were singing. And one of the reasons that that kind of music always bumped me and depressed me as a kid, I think, is because I could feel that. I didn't know what I was feeling, but it was hypocrisy of it. It's like, mm-hmm. you say that, but what you really are fucking, you know, running trains on fucking hookers, not <laughs> not what you're mm-hmm. saying you're saying. I don't believe it. There, there, yeah, Aaron, you. there was a lot, and this probably even applies to the previous song with Henley, a lot of like self-congratulatory. That's exactly right. Uh, so like that's why they're so similar. Behavior going on with these with, mm-hmm. with parents of the time, the mm-hmm. me generation. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and man. Like worse than the fucking eighties in a way because they're fucking t- the, in the eighties. They're like, fuck yeah, I'm getting it out for me, dog. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> yeah, party it was more like, that. yeah, I'm doing it for me. Right. Fuck everyone. Yeah, else. down there, they they were lying. They were trickle being down economics. <laughs> you know, like fuck. It's like it's like the evangelists who are like talking about you know family values when really they're they're picking up male hustlers in, in a fucking airport, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they got to, they got to shout from the rooftops, <laughs> how, 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 how good they are. In this guy's case, Mac Davis's case, he's saying, you know, my dumb son, I love my dumb son. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this stupid drawing. He just did in his yellow piece of paper. <laughs> and by the way, if, 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 if bland, like if a saltine, could have a, a a musical note. It would be Bobby Goldsboro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's 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 he he makes uh vanilla. <laughs> Ooh, that's spicy. That vanilla bean is yeah. spicy, <laughs> <laughs> like a taste sensation. Um, right. Th- yeah. Th- you know what's funny is I've never heard this song before, and Bobby Goldsboro I've heard of, and I you know he's got he had a like, song called Honey. That was Honey was the big one, right, 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 yeah. right. And he yeah he's he's super milk toast. And uh, I had another point about this song. I don't remember what it is, but oh, I know what it is. Like you know how we have a scoreboard about yeah. on our website, which yeah. is you know the the, the yeah. which of the Gitmo Bros and yeah. and yeah. we need a scoreboard that's going to keep track of professional songwriters. Mac Davis, star in his own right, singer in his own yeah. right, has his own yeah. TV show. Also wrote a shit ton of songs for other people. Yes, as did let's let's. Call it what it is, t- Danny Korchmar. Yeah, right. Do you guys sing a t- theme develop here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking professional songwriters. They they suck the soul out of out of good music. All right. Oh. Let's continue on with this with this joy. By the way, great arrangement. I'm loving this the kind yeah, of like it's, it Burt Bacharach kind of thing going yeah, on. Right, yes, yeah. b- yes, but it's like Burt Bacharach, there would be there would be a this seems like this is the been sent through the deflavorizing machine off of one of those songs you know the there's something machine if you will yeah like it's <laughs> it's just on the other side like bert 
seems sophisticated and this does not mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I get, I totally get your point and I believe, I agree with it a thousand percent, but this seems blander even than that. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Blandsboro. Oh, <laughs> Blandsboro. <laughs> Bobby like Goldsbrand. Yeah, this know. was unsurprisingly top of the Billboard easy listening chart on January 9th, 1971. So, yes, it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. God damn it. All right. The same people who, who, Got into this song were the same people who bought the uh, Paul Anka song. I was just gonna, I guess my this whole is, point yep. was going to be this is a cousin of the Paul Anka abortion song. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The, the the baby, the, uh, Jason Bateman's wife who was born. Yes. Yeah, the, she, she's the she's the char- her brother's the character in this song now. <laughs> Scotty. Yeah, her dumb for this Scott, fucking legal pad, Scotty Anka. <laughs> yeah, like he literally just fuck like the whole like the start of the song was like gotta make fucking Scotty shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> Christine, can you bring in that yellow pad? Shh, fucking shut up. And Get him some pens song, and whatever. Like, I don't know. Some my, fucking my pens out there. On and this yellow pad. <laughs> Get, get him a red and a blue, I don't know, black, whatever's out there. Rest your mouth and give a rest to dad. <laughs> oh. Making a castle out of building blocks. You imagine the a building out of like spaghetti or something. That's my boy. <laughs> so confused. Mickey Mouse says it's 13 o'clock. Well, that's quite a shock. But that's my boy. Okay. It's a series why is this of fucking thing? Moves. Why is this called? Why isn't this called? That's my boy. It's a way better title. Would have made because yeah, he made it such a big Scotty deal. But it's got to be Scotty. But it it should be called. That's my boy. Right? right. Yeah. It should. Right. Okay. I would be sweeter. It's much more they... relatable. What if my son isn't named fucking Scotty? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Which it isn't. No, it's not. It's not. Or Danny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. In four short years, I've gone from rags to riches. And what yeah, so I he's did... admitting he could afford a nanny at this point. That's what it sounds like. Mac yeah. Davis is, yeah. is, you know, raking in the songwriter bucks. Yeah. He could afford a new son if he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> this one's broken. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this. Spell. Hey, uh, Scotty. <laughs> Knows hey, when Scotty, to shut up, uh, Scotty. You're gonna live with you're gonna live with Tom Jones for a while. <laughs> you're gonna go play with the Anka kid, <laughs> Anka's boy that he didn't yeah. want. <laughs> daughter, he didn't want. For that I don't know. So let it rain on my window pane. I got my own rainbow. And we're sitting here shining, watching Scotty grow. And meanwhile, Scotty's thinking, I want to go to the drive-in. Like, da- dad's like... <laughs> yeah, what do I have to say? Like, let me tell you something right now. Like, what Scotty is being asked to do while dad does his dumb thing, I love my father. But I had to do what Scotty did. <laughs> Which was... Make your own uh, fun, right? Go, yeah, make right, your own yeah, fun yeah. and go around where yeah. people are like, well, the adults. It's a fucking five-year-old kid have to deal with like- At the fucking 9,000 building. What's he like, doing there? Like <laughs> like doing artsy things. Like it's one thing if your dad's working on architectural designs or something, <laughs> but like there's something extra about the artsy side <laughs> that like bumps me. Like God bless. Like, and I'm not unique. Like this- a million kids had to do this kind of thing. And it's like, oh- Aaron, this is God. not an exaggeration. Your toy when you were a kid was, was a, a rope. rope. Yeah, for a period oh, of time. Right, yeah. 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 So this is like <laughs> this is like Scotty 
uh, uh, Max version of the of of Scotty's rope is just giving him some pens and a like. Scotty's going <laughs> like pen. in the first verse, he's saying, "Let everybody else go to the drive-in or watch TV or whatever, whatever the hell else they're doing." <laughs> I'm going to make my kids sit here. I'm going to stare at him while he colors on a, on a, and, and, and laugh at him, chuckle at his, at his inability to spell. You come up with a couple lyrics. If you can, Scotty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to help daddy out. What rhymes with lad? Right, the, right, the second verse. <laughs> yeah, Scotty kept saying, Hey, why don't you call it? That's my boy, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. Seems like a good title. That shut up. <laughs> Co- how about a co-write for Scotty? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Cutting Scotty out of the will was the third verse. <laughs> oh, man. P- paying for Scotty's therapy. <laughs> okay, everybody who wants a second, who gets a second piece of pie for dessert, step forward. Not so fast, Scotty. <laughs> fucking up again. Scotty, before you get the pie, I need you to go to your room and write an essay about why you want the pie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now he's now we're getting into the breakdown verse. It sounds like, and we're riding on Daddy's shoulders off to bed. (laughs) Or or the insane man is watching, you know, (laughs) something going out, something else happening outside. Who knows what? Yeah, like you know how when you hear stories about people with dementia, where you know, they're remembering a puppy they had in 1943. Right. And like, uh, oh boy, well, it could be anything. Yeah. Come here, Scooter. Come here, Scooter. Like that's that's <laughs> that's what's going on with with the, the narrator of this. He's remembering a kid named Scotty from, <laughs> the from one time they went to the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Old sleepyhead. That's my boy. Scotty's mentally exhausted for performing for his dad all day. He's, just, he's asleep on the sofa. His dad fucked a thousand secretaries. Yeah. Or maybe Scotty doesn't exist anymore, but he did at one time, but he like died from scarlet rubella or something. He's, he's like singing to Scotty's ghost. It's this, this like a dark turn. That'd be a better story. <laughs> That's my boy. I want to say Scotty. Was that his name? I don't know. Uh, Danny. Gotta have a drink of water and a story read. A teddy bear named Fred. That's my boy. He's just listing stuff now. What's that you like, say? That belonged to Scotty, by the way. Yeah, so right. he really deserves a co-write. This is one of those things where this is almost like what social media began as and still goes on, which is people who think the, these these this minutia of their lives is important, like. We need to know that Scotty has a teddy bear named Fred. He's Mac Davis, goddammit. You're not. <laughs> well, sorry, Mac. I'm just not too interested in, in the details of Scotty's life. You know, you're- you've just spent a bunch of time denigrating your, this guy, and now you expect me to give a shit about his his plushie. Yeah. <laughs> so my dumb son. Yeah, I bet your dumb son's about that. I met your dumb son earlier. The good news is, like, this is a this is a pretty short song. So mm-hmm. at least there's that. You say, Mama, come on and keep your feet warm. Save me a place, I'll be there in a minute or so. Wait, what just happened? They're putting him to bed. They're putting him to bed. Yeah, no, but what's that you say, Mama? Come and keep your feet warm. Save me a place. So is dad telling his wife? He's talking to his his lady friend. Yeah. 
keep your beat rolling. I got to go take care of my my, my extra my, baggage here. My, I got to put Scotty back wheel. in bed. He drew me a picture. I got to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Scotty deal going on. <laughs> got a whole Scotty deal going on. Hold on, on Brenda. I got to go put the fucking kid to bed. <laughs> and by the way, you can't tell me that keep coming. Dad, can you come tuck me in? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I got to put Danny to bed. Scotty, whatever the fuck it is. Brenda, hold that thought. Because you can't tell me that mama come and keep your keep your feet warm isn't a euphemism for I, I'm gonna go get laid, but but I gotta put this fucking pain in the ass kid to bed first. Yeah, of right? course it is. After he yeah. says that line, uh, he gotta put Scotty to bed. He begrudgingly puts his trousers back on oh, and walks yeah. into Scotty's room. Oh fuck! And he's he's a, yeah he's adjusting the front of his his cross because you know what 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 he's what's yeah. in the middle of he's sort of like pressing things. Be down right and, there, Scott. It's hard to read Cat in the Hat when you got a fucking rod. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Can we, can we put a pin in this? I gotta, I gotta bounce, Danny, Scotty. You got it. Good night. <laughs> All right. I think I'll stay right here, say a little prayer before I go. Me and God are watching. Me and God are watching Scotty grow. Yeah, right. There we Me go. and God are right. Great. Watching God's probably grow. Me and God are watching Scotty grow. Now, you know, hold on. This again goes to my thing where maybe he's singing like he buried Scotty out under a tree and, oh, and then fuck. the tree grows and him and God watch Scotty grow over over the years. Like, yeah, he'll, he goes out to the tree and plucks an apple off. Scotty's tasting Scotty. good this year. It's a good crop of Scotty. I stole that from the movie Foxes. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. All right, we're this is done, right? We're just kind of doing the Burt Bacharach yeah. outro here. Scotty, Scotty grow, <laughs> Scotty grow. Scotty's in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Scotty. Well, oh there God. you go, George. We've got we've got uh, Don Henley, and all she wants to do is dance, and Bobby Goldsboro, and watching yeah. Scotty watching Scotty grow. Yeah, uh, this is a very tough one, as it is every week, to uh, to get through here. But uh, ultimately, I land on uh, on Don. Ooh, because um, it just I was un- unexpectedly um, shamed. <laughs> That, that I knew all the lyrics and I was very aware of that song and it, it made me, like I said, my face immediately my face was red and I didn't feel well and <laughs> and I didn't you know it's like what you said about uh, writing songs, Aaron, in Genesis and you they think you're this alternative guy but it just turns out it's just like every Genesis song from her Phil Collins song from the eighties and it just it. <laughs> I, I know everything about that song, and I picture myself at that age. I was 20 then or 19 in a bar and listening to this and not liking it. But yet I know it. It came in. It was like I was receiving um, information yeah, that, I did, that I didn't want. Yeah. And I know it's every- like, It's like a secretary who gets unwanted attention from their boss where like it just touches you and gives you a massage and stuff. And like you know it that well. Yeah, like, I do. You, you've yeah, been wrong by That's that well song. put. In fact, it makes me feel creepy when you say that, so stop. <laughs> Doesn't mean and it's it, not true. It, I know. I know. It's just- it, it, I was unexpectedly, viscerally disturbed by that song. And the Bobby Goldsboro is very bad, but it, it feels more uh, 
jokey bad and something about that's my boy like i feel like i've seen that in a sketch like in wet hot american summer or one of those movies it's not in that Someone's one spoofing that song someone spoofing it and, yeah. and making it making fun of that era of song much like the paul anka song but it's very bad and i and you're right about mac davis and all of his uh it's it's disturbing <laughs> that that level of uh bringing your son to the office and, and i feel that too i didn't exactly happen to me but i feel what that's talking about and it it hurts a little well if you were a kid if you were a kid from a broken relationship yeah uh, I was. in the 70s there was a version of it you had to do where you know going with you know going with your mom who has to go back to the office for four hours you got to sit there and play with the fucking yellow highlighter right and, right you know, I, I, yeah a real I, I, thing my question is this is so i was thinking about parents back then and i thought well, what's worse, leaving us home alone right. or taking us to the office and, and then doing this to us? <laughs> and I, I didn't have an answer for that. It's I, I say, yeah, it's a, it's a toss-up. It, it's, it's a tough thing there. In, uh, I wasn't lonely. I'll put it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> like being involved with all my dad's crazy friends. Yeah. I was, not, I was never lonely. That was never a moment. And for an only child, I, I, you know, I will always yeah. give it up. And you know, I probably developed – character and coping mechanisms because you're forced to sort of sort things out yeah and and make sense of complete nonsense whether it be you know drug culture or art culture or you know anything while other kids my age were watching like donnie and marie like i was you know right on the other end of the fucking moon you're you're, you're listening to inappropriate things your friend andy your mom's friend andrea said (laughs) while 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 other kids were watching like the a-team aaron was getting (laughs) it Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't even get through that one. Aaron was getting in quality rope time. <laughs> it's me and my rope. Oh, rope. Just feels like you have to say it with a New York accent. Hey, here's a rope. Go have fun. I'm going to get my rocks off. <laughs> you guys, I'd never heard the Bobby Goldsboro song, believe it or not. It's I, right in my wheelhouse. I should know it, but I don't. But what's weird to me is that you guys are describing this dichotomy of of things going on with this kid and this relationship with, with dad, yeah. which is... On one hand, kid is almost like this appendage that you have to bring along to the office. And, and, and right. at the other, on the other hand, the lyrics of the song are utter helicopter parenting. It's two different ways. Oh, right. You, you know, he's, yeah, he's yeah. sort of obsessively talking about his boy's teddy bear and watching him color and stuff. But at the same time, he's he's. It feels like he's sort of annoyed by it by him, right? Yeah. It's a yeah, weird, which, which is describes exactly everything. Yeah. yeah, he made himself into the hero, I think, from a very dismissive point. So, like, he's being hip. That's again, the hypocrisy is rich in that. Like, he couldn't write a song about fucking. I got the kid today because Charlene's down with a bug. <laughs> he's not doing that, um, which would uh, it'd be an infinitely more interesting. That's a Randy Newman song. Uh, My Randy dumb Newman's son, yeah. <laughs> dumbass son. Um. <laughs> So you know, it's interesting about today. I just discovered, which maybe you guys touched on earlier, was that uh, I did. I had no idea that today would be an assault of even get, if you told me these two songs ahead of time, I wouldn't know. Today is an assault on Mac Davis and Danny Cormachar. <laughs> <laughs> really, is what this is. Yeah, because neither one are the singers of these songs, but they wrote them. And like you said, Damon, assault on writers. Yeah, from, professional songwriters yeah, are, that, are that did this. Are and, arch enemies. I yeah. This is. Uh, I, Damon, I can't believe you don't know that song because I didn't know it either when it started because it sounds like so many other songs of that time. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they said, that's my boy, I knew yeah. that song. Right. I knew I'd heard it somewhere. It just slipped through the cracks for me because, that, like mm-hmm. I said, that that's the type of song that you would have grown up hearing. Lucky for you. And Aaron, did you say it was a number one hit? 
yeah, easy listening, and then it was top ten uh, yeah. country a month after that. So by the time February came around, it had gotten off of just the easy listening chart. Wow! Into uh, into the popular chart, yeah, country and I, chart. And I don't, I generally don't have anything against songs like that. Like the that that would probably to me, if you take a macro look at it, like fall under like macro the Carpenters, the Carpenters category or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't have a problem listening to some of that stuff. Yeah. So just it's just weird that that one I've n- just I missed it just never heard it before so interesting right. neat um, <laughs> and every during the week both the songs are going through my head and I and that's what I love to hate about this podcast is it's in my fucking head and I, I mean, that's my boy and I, yeah. I can't even talk about the Don Henley one yet I can't talk about it <laughs> I know that it, it's already yeah. in my head it's in my it's in my soul even that one's yeah. in my it's not just in my head. The pain is too real. It's too. It's too deep. I, yeah. I know that's gonna. I mean, I mean, sitting in the freeway in the four hundred five, going, "This traffic's the devil's been rambled since I don't know when." <laughs> Fuck you. Let's let's uh, hear the sorbet. Let's, now. let's get some sorbet let's going because we're 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 continuing to obsessively talk about those shitty torture songs. So let's let's get, let's get some George action let's going here. here. Ready? Sorbet, a warm bath. Ooh, ooh, I know what it is. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Now with this one I'm happy for them to extend out the intro oh, yeah. and everything. Oh yeah. I'm oh, like fucking Don Henley. This drummer's killing it. Oh my god. <laughs> He's fucking killing it. I got a lot to say about this band because they're so. It's just they're. It's unbelievable, truly unbelievable that these kind of nerdy British guy, yeah. or Australian guys yep. are this killer fucking yep. you know wrecking crew level of 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 play. No, fuck wrecking crew like stacks players. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. And that, and that, and that the same people who did Massachusetts did yes, this. Right. That's <laughs> the point of this whole. Song. It doesn't make any kind of sense. <laughs> What a fucking intro I from know, Barry. Right? I know. That long, <laughs> here we are. Fuck yeah. In a room of in the dark, your eyes I believe, is that Robin and Barry singing in unison together? I think they are. I think so. I yeah. think they did that a lot. I watched yeah. it live. I watched it live. Uh, the thing they did in Midnight Special, which Midnight Special is such a, a uh, treasure trove of thing of uh, people actually playing live. Yeah. yeah, you know of them, and I, I was surprised by a number of things of how they traded vocals on this. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. But I'll get to. Well, yeah, when the, you're right, when they would double, much like uh, Lennon and McCartney would do that all yeah. the time, where they were. Well, just they could do unison. each other's parts, and you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Well, they would often be unison. That was the idea. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, like part um, of the. the there's obviously the Bee Gees brother harmonies that that are yep. so you know transcendent, but there, another sound is the two of those guys singing together. Yep, and then all three of them. Yeah, right. Well, meaning three. like they're singing the same notes. They're not doing yes. a harmony. Correct. Right. And that's because yep. I I'm realizing oh that's that's once again Barry and Robin singing together. And then mm-hmm. and then Robin sticks out in the next thing. Yeah. Well, I did not follow you. With yeah. The, always always a fish. Yeah, we'll always with, with, the, the, with the finger right. on the ear. Right. Yeah. Well,
fuck, the harmonies. Yeah, These yeah. guys, man, ah, oh, you cannot get enough. I mean, we could do uh, all the song, all the sorbet songs for the rest of this podcast existence could be BG songs, yeah, as far yeah, as I'm concerned. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. At, always get in a good mood when the BGs play. Yep. Now, Aaron, Yo. the 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 thing that always just just you know kind of throws me is that that's fucking Morris playing bass. Yeah, and then there's the synth doubling it, and but yeah, he he was a he was like a, a a bass player in a very real way, and and the assumption I always had growing up is that knowing you'd see him with it and that he was holding it, but that that it was. That that maybe he was playing bass as much as Danny Partridge was playing bass, you know. <laughs> but wow. then years later, you realize, no, 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 no. You know, he was fucking the man. He was the man, yep. and uh, it's fucking awesome. It's you so awesome. It. like they needed another fucking aspect of them to be awesome, <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, like, Jesus I, Christ. You you guys have you know you know how people like. Uh, when you're at a at a wedding reception and you're waiting in line, you're, you have you have to wait for your table to go get food, right? Right. And then yeah. another table, table goes, seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then table three goes twice. Like you see some of the guys going back for seconds, and you haven't even gone yet. Oh, to me, it. like the Bee Gees are, are table three who have gone <laughs> gone for yeah, help. There's, like, there's with them. It's like you reach a point of just being like, you gotta be shitting me with the amount of like. And yeah. Then they do this, and then they do that, and then they. Oh, it's just it's just uh, it's beautiful. Especially after hearing what we just had to deal with. Yeah. Back on the subject of the bass. Um, some of the most iconic, not just disco bass parts, but bass parts in general mm-hmm. were written mm-hmm. by this guy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was way more key in arrangements of BG songs, not just the disco stuff and not just the bass parts, but I'm talking like the string arrangements, the ballads, mm-hmm. going all the way back to the 60s stuff. I think he yeah, was- and then there's it's where they put each other. Like the fact that the three of them are in a room and two of them are twins, there are places that they will go and through internal in like teeny tiny little jokes or things like that that will spur on the creation of this other part. You know that you can't get when you don't have that kind of closeness, or or it's more. Yep. This is a gift from God as opposed to that where you're just fucking stone cold lucky that you met this other person in life. Yep. You know, and like when it's working right and, and it just never worked righter than with those those yeah. fools. The the alchemy of the three Bee Gees is is like the Gitmo bros. It is and our podcast. Very much. Only very much. that's not overstating it. Only with, <laughs> only with entertainment value. Yeah. If anything, it's you've understating it. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> By the way, that was a push, George. Are you okay with that push? I am very much, very much okay with it. Yes, very much okay. I love it. Yeah, best part of this whole song. It's it's proper push placement. It is, you know, and and the Bee Gees mastered it. Starship. Yeah, no, let's not talk about that. Don't don't bring it. This is the tip of the. 
spear of their disco era, yes. no? Like that's this the is whole, right. That's my whole point with this. Yeah, yeah. this is like before the other stuff that right well, that, uh, that that represented the second half of their career. Well, this no, was correct. The, Jive talking was before this, though. It is just. I one, thought that was the tip of the spear. Well, that's the thing that what I like about what I love about the song. The reason I picked it was because they what Aaron's saying is correct that. Jive Talking was the first was the first uh, single from this record called Main Course from 1975, and but this song Jive Talking is just it's a great song and it went to number one and this one didn't, but this one you can hear especially in the especially in the uh, the middle part the middle eighth part where they right you can hear you can yeah I will wait you can hear the old Bee Gees yeah and you can yeah, hear the still- new and he even changed his time signature within that. And it's you can hear them becoming who they're going to be, and this is this is what's most significant is this is the one where uh, Arif Martin said Martin said to them, "Hey, can somebody yell at the end?" And Barry right. went, "Well, I'll try." The voice and he, and he did the falsetto, and he just right. did it. He didn't know what he was even doing, and it became who they were going to be. And you could hear them in this song becoming who they're going to be, who their second yeah. half of their career is going to be. And Jive talking some of it, but it's not that it's not it's you can hear the same way that how do you mend a broken heart yes right earlier showed what how is the cousin of how deep is your love that right like they hadn't been doing that and then suddenly they were doing that in a groovy kind of way to me as opposed to like a folk songy kind of way like they were before yeah yeah you're right aaron how how can you mend a broken heart was like a bridge between their 60s ballads which would be like It's only words. Right, that right? one. Right, like yep. that's very sixties. Yep. Then, right. then you've got the very seventies. How deep is your love? And how can you mend a broken heart? Is like a perfect bridge between those yep. two. Because that one note alone, that ha, 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 ha. Yeah. right, yes. <laughs> that's the beginning of it. Like with yeah. that yeah. note, he did. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did. And, God, and, those fuckers. I know. I know. <laughs> and, that, and that's Jesus. the thing about this. Apparently, so they I read about this. It was so fascinating that uh, so the producer Arif Martin said. They started writing this song, and this is in back to our old friend Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton said to them, "Hey, man, you know, I went and recorded. I think it's called Four Sixty One Ocean Avenue, the Criteria yeah. in yeah. Florida." And he said, "I went to Florida, and it opened to me up, and it was better. Maybe you should guys come to Florida and record. It'll get you out of London and whatever." And so, it's without a doubt, the best thing that he yeah. ever did in his career. Yeah, and they so they and they <laughs> took even his a stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> And they yeah, came- like he, he, sh- he really missed his calling. He should have been a travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a guitar player. <laughs> hey, you can play guitar on the side. Hey, guys. You Clapton know, like, and you, Sons. You guys really kind of- nice little holiday plan. You guys are kind of locked into this thing in Detroit. Maybe maybe take a vacation to Hawaii. You know, I might open you guys up as a couple. You know, get a room. Be do something different. Eat some Japanese food. <laughs> e. Clapton and Associates. <laughs> E. Clapton Associates, Damon speaking. <laughs> so the the uh, the far as saying now, but the, so the brilliant thing is, is that so they start writing this record, and the producer and uh, Arif hears it and goes, eh, "No, guys, this is not what. No, you're writing like you're writing the ballads from the '60s." And he just goes, "Here are some Stevie Wonder records. Listen to these," <laughs> and you can hear. That they did in yeah. this song, you can hear they're like, "Oh fuck, superstition's a jam." Okay, yeah, and right. they understood how that fat. Or that, you can hear them figuring out how that fit into who they were. Right, the, you can hear it. You made a good point earlier about how Jive Talking to Me is one of my favorite BG songs. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I mean, every everything they do is great, but yeah. Jive Talking to Me. But it does sound like 
Nights on Broadway sounds has the has starting to have the lushness of later Bee Gees yes, disco right. songs. Yep. Jive talking almost sounds like a demo. It's very dry, very raw. Right. It's fucking great. Like there's no way that song won't ever be a hit because it's so good. It's so goddamn good. But it doesn't have that lush fucking production that no. this song has and then no. the future you know the the, right. the the staying alive and everything had i i agree with you i feel like jive talk and they're like they listen to stevie wonder records and they said hey let's be like this yeah and that's them doing a cover kind of yeah. of what they and this is incorporating themselves into what funk is or yeah what you can hear them is. listening to like boogie on reggae woman mm-hmm. and then there's as and their synthesis of it our take on it, yes, right. Like, because you're try as you might, you're never going to sound like like uh, a black man uh, from f- you know working in a fucking you know Motown songwriting huddle. No, you know you're never yeah. going to. But your it's your 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 sensitivity and your da 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 version of through it. that. Yeah. Like yeah. it look, it says like okay, well through that and they're. And and how stone cold funky they actually are in their souls yeah. is so beautiful and cannot be taught. It just was a way. They're like, yep. oh well, we we're enthusiastic about this music, and here's our version of it. We certainly won't sound like it. It's like me trying to write a fucking Beatles song. Like, I won't ever get in the fucking in the in the same you know like zip same, code. Yeah. Z- same zip code. Like, I won't have the same kind of money they have. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But but you know it'll be the you know the dopey version of me. <clears throat> but they are them. Do you feel like because you guys are making a good point about how they they were synthesizing Stevie uh, Wonder, but then also the lushness of like the Philly sound, the, oh, yeah. the Philly soul, yeah, soul, just and, in general, and, yep. and the Bee Gees is kind of sort of plucked from everywhere and did. then created their own sound. They did, yeah. But you you can hear the influences, but you can also go, but the, no one sounds like that. Nope, they don't. Yeah. Because it's the same so way that unique. Holland Oates were, were had their own kind of yes, they were infatuated with the same sound. Because they were and, from there, though, weren't they? Yeah, and then yeah. they're never going to... Yeah, they had the... <laughs> at least they the shared the same geographical geography. Geographical advantage. Yeah. Here we go. It's also interesting that, like, at this point, they're singing with so much soul confidence. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are always great singers, uh, and and delivered their songs great. Um, I love the story about how they wrote uh, "To Love Somebody" for Otis Redding. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then yeah. he died before he could before yeah. they could even give right. it to him. Yeah. But then Barry sang it just fine. Yeah. I still it's still the best version ever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but uh, but they weren't they they still just sounded like kind of young British guys yeah. who were t- aping other people. Mm-hmm. At this, when I listen to them sing, both of them, both Barry and and Robin, it's just with with sheer confidence and just just bravado the way they're singing. Like right. they're owning. It's almost like the music, the groove of the music is inspiring them to own what they're saying. With mm-hmm. it's it's sung with conviction. Yeah, and it's and like with Robin's voice specifically, like Barry has a more like, well, of course it would sound like this, and he, it's more sort of traditional poppy soul voice, mm-hmm. yeah. especially at this point. Whereas Robin. His, what you're saying is even more impressive to me with him because like he has this very sort of like, I don't know what the fuck that style is. Take, it's yeah, almost like people, a minstrel. I've heard people refer to it as Billy Goat. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And that's horribly dismissive, but like it is. I, <laughs> and I you're, mean, I, and you're a racist homophobe, but. <laughs> but like, but there's a, there's so much of like, 
he had this, uh, we've talked about before, like having the absurd confidence that some people have when it's just so wrong, like the Starship song. Whereas Robin has this beautiful confidence where it's like, I'm going to put this voice into this song and it should stick out again like a dog's balls and it just does not. Yeah, just works. It works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. great. And it's this, and like, and the, oh God, and it sets Barry up to do the bridge. Yeah, it does. Strangely, right. exactly you know? Right. <laughs> All right. So killer. Was that the three part that's happening? It's great. Oh, I know. It's they just great. they snuck it in right there. They did. Yeah, yep. yeah. There he is. There he is. There yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> the first appearance. Yeah, the, the 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 just going back to the subject of the band, but really, what's what's you know making me get a get a Minnetonka in my trousers <laughs> is is uh the bass and drums. Oh like, yeah, all, the the okay. keyboard seems to be doing these these synth pads, right? And yeah, but and it's... and there's a probably maybe an orchestra going on at some point too. But the guitar, I'm not really hearing a guitar doing much of anything. Are you? No. Yeah, and they brought the that key this keyboard as soon as he's Blues Weaver, I think. Yeah, yeah, Blue, they brought Blue, Blue yeah Blue Weaver. Weaver. They yeah. brought him in just to. He do ended it. up joining the band. Though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. This was the first time they kind of had those guys in the band. They but get to the band. I mean, don't get me wrong, Lush, great, sounds great. But yeah. what's funking this song it's is the, the is the bass and the drum. It is that this drummer Dennis, Dennis yeah, yeah. Byron or Byron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, correct. He he's just like this Australian dude. And I know. He, he, just I don't a know. Guy, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. he got this fucking funky, but it's no, like he's in he's in like a, a a thing called the Bee Gees now, and he's seventy two years old, and they play these songs. Oh god, I'd love to see this guy play live. Seriously, was he Australian? Yes. Yep, I believe well, so. You know, yeah. it's like uh, you know, probably the same place that John Ferris got it from. Yeah, and Phil Rudd you know? for that matter. But he's just yeah, fuck ripping yeah, ripping it. This is just <laughs> yeah. They got a lot of soul down there. Yeah. Uh. All right. So anyway, that, yeah, I'm just listening to this bass and drums because, like, again, guitar. I this the sound in here is so shitty. I mean, what, what usually happens when I edit is I hear the the real song through my headphones. And I'm you, like, you need a better stereo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for my mom to hand hers down. Maybe to me. a Pioneer, blah punked. I don't know. Panasonic. Maybe we should just do. Maybe we should just do this podcast in Andy Castro's Jetta. <laughs> Still the let, best stereo let, out there. Let me equalize this for you. 1986. Let me open the glove box with my it still equalizer. smells like uh, Giorgio for cologne <laughs> and cloves. Yeah, I still the, the best quote about Andy Castro ever, which Andy Castro loved, by the way, was I, who I don't remember who said it. <laughs> But he goes, sees Andy drive by in his Jetta because no one had a car or anything. But Andy pulls and drives into the parking lot when he did go to school, by the way. Right. And and the guy just kind of shakes his head and goes, I don't know about Andy Castro. He always looks like he's working some angle. <laughs> he, right. It says it in a bad way. Aaron, do you remember who said that? The principal? I want to say it was Andy Robinson, but he wouldn't have said that. Yeah, it's, yeah it was, he was working the same angle. Yeah, <laughs> surprised you weren't, Aaron. <laughs> All right, uh, w- w- one more thing. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. just go, can, can, because I love it so much. Can either one of you describe 
Andy's Jetta to me. The color, the rims. Gray, silver. Gray, yeah. Silver gray, of course. Yeah, yeah. Rims. Not factory. I, they I weren't don't fucking factory. like that. No, I mean, I don't Interior was black. It had a sunroof, I believe. Of course it did. Yeah. A moonroof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the interior was black? No, it was also gray, I believe. Also a gray yeah, I interior. Think was, I think it was there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they didn't BBS rims, nothing, you know, Euro, Euro license plate, anything? We'd be in it a lot to go to Sizzler. <laughs> good detail going. good detail and yet you guys ran into kath from accounting she was, she was heading for the dance floor <laughs> it's in the way that you do all right back to the bg What are you gonna do for this part? If you yeah, right. if you soloed that drum that drum part yeah. like just just the drums by themselves, yeah. isolated, and you, and you you'd go, oh, that's Clyde Stubblefield, or or that's a James yeah. Brown song or something, you wouldn't know it was the guy from the fucking Bee Gees, no, from wouldn't. Australia. No, nope. what the fuck, it's fucking that's, Dennis. That's the grooviest groove I've ever grooved. <laughs> the fucking sack to do this part here. Yeah, it's right, the stonest right, group of exactly. all time, and then you do this like you're like Listen you've got to be shitting me, he, and, and boy does it earn its. By the time it ends, you're like, huh? Let me get this part as as sick as that other part is. You're like, you could spend a little more time here. If you want. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's the old BG. Suddenly they're yeah. balladeers again. Yeah, and he changes time signature in the middle of this. He goes from eighths to sixteenths. Listen, okay. <laughs> Why would you do that? I wouldn't even think of doing that. Right. Why would he? I mean, it's just great the way he slips right from one to the other. Maybe he was like subconsciously going, guys, let's get back to the dance shit. Maybe because like this arrangement wise, you guys may know this or maybe maybe not. But did for the single version or dance clubs or whatever, did they edit out this bridge? Because you're killing the dance yeah, I know. I think there is there that. is an edit of this. You're right. I read about that somewhere when I did my research. Yeah, there is an edit of this because yes. as as beautiful as this part is, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense in the middle of a fucking you know floor burning dance song. Well, that's why you would Kath mix it. You would mix you would mix this and like some other funky song of the day, where you'd give them you'd give them the first chunk of this, and then you jettison that into you know you'd mix it into the next song, so you right. just avoid yeah. it entirely. Yeah, right. But it was still. Keep you the know. BPMs up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I, that you're right, Aaron. That sounds like a synth uh, bass. He's copying it. I think they're but, just they're just doubling it up. They double uh, it. like the way that the um, 
You don't think that's a bass with, a, with an effect mm -hmm. on it? No, no, no. no. It's the same. The it's exactly what the guy in the Gap Band used to do. Always. Oh. oh. And do you was, think he's he he always doubling it, it up? Sounds like that. You're right. <clears throat> do you think the Gap Band guy got it from songs like this? Maybe. Maybe. I. I mean, it was. You know, right around the same. I mean, the the songs that featured that mostly were on the, uh, by the GP were probably just after this, but close to contemporary, I would think. But mm -hmm. that's my take on it is that's what he's doing. And when I was paying attention to the Gap Band recently, this song jumped back out to me. I was like, oh, gee, that, I think that was. I think these are musical cousins. I think yeah. that's what he's doing there, and what uh, what Morris was doing. I wonder if Morris actually played the synth bass part as well because it's so makes sense it's right? so dead accurate he was a great right. keyboardist too by the way yeah right yeah. um it, it's so dead accurate the two parts mm -hmm. of of you know a, a keyboard player isn't gonna have the kind of left hand uh agility if especially if you didn't write the part oh, yeah. right. that 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 uh, that you would have uh, on the left hand of a bass, bass player right. along mm -hmm. with the right hand plucking the notes it, you know right. it's two completely different skill sets only a guy who wrote the part might seems be to doing be, it. Might be doing it to himself. That I don't know. And, and maybe it happened the other direction though too. Is that he wrote he you know because sitting in a writing scenario, he could just be sitting there with a the keyboard and while they're playing it, then he figures that out on keys and then he cops it on bass. Mm, you know, yeah. Because yeah. it be sounds easier. like a keyboard bass part. It that's does. Some, it's not. That's what it sounds like. Like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Yep. I think that's what yep. God, they I were doing. Bummed yep. myself. <laughs> I can't remember the Gap Band fella, um, but. Yeah. I think it starts that way and how Stevie did it. Sarah Moore. Listen to that fucking riff with the open hats. Jesus. <laughs> the open hats. Yeah. It's just incredible. Like yeah, insane. I, I want to know more about this guy. I'm gonna yeah. go look him up and figure yeah. out what he was doing before. <laughs> yeah. On the night's on the road, For a guy who's just learning this this singing technique. <laughs> that true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty fucking confident with those. Well, you know, I'm just going to hold a note for four bars. Well, he told it, the, the, the reef told him to just go in and yell. That's yeah. what they told him. Go in and yell. Can you guys yell a high part? And he's kept singing higher and higher till he got to falsetto. Right. And then he was, and then it turned into this. Yeah. But I will say that that is yeah. a direct response to what I was saying earlier. The, the confidence when you're sharing a band with your brothers who are only being supportive, like he has the power to go to whatever his potential is and then yeah blast well beyond it you know because he had yeah. the the confidence of like already a massive career behind him and the yep. vibe in that room at that time must have been ex insane because they're like well we're on to a big deal so everyone's in a great mood yeah. and this notion that sounds like it might be from space you suddenly have the confidence to do it we're like fuck i could do that and then when you hear it back my god yeah that's a good moment <laughs> yeah I was recording once at this studio in Venice and it was just run by these stoners they live there of course and uh, you know and and it was just this basically this flop house for, for Venice stoners uh, and stuff not just the owners of the studio but their, their hangers on friends sure. who jump sure. but it was a recommendation from a friend blah 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 so I'm the control room was separated by a lounge and then you and then you would be in the singing booth so I was singing, and I'm a I'm a very uh, mediocre singer in the first place with zero confidence. 
And back then, especially I had none. And I was trying to sing rock vocals as a lead vocalist. And, and it was just a really, and so the, the engineer who was recording me just had his buddies come in sitting in the lounge, but not, not, they weren't doing their own thing. They were staring at me like I was a monkey in a cage. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I'm trying to do my vocal parts, and, and these people are just watching me do it. Yeah. And I, I finally just, I did it for an hour or something, and I finally just took the guy aside. I go, man, I'm, I, I don't want to bum you out or your friends out, but it makes me feel really uncomfortable to have him staring at me while I'm singing my, my horrible vocals. And he got rid of them, thankfully. He, yeah. he didn't take it yeah. personally. But yeah. but yeah, having that su- a real support, like not people judging you. Those, these hippies probably weren't judging me. They were probably so stoned they were enjoying it. It doesn't but, matter. It's just a But still, it's, it's a weird feeling. They're hippies yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hippies. I'm trying to do my vocal. Get those hippies out of here. These, these Jason, lo- get these hippies out of here. <laughs> the, the long-haired commies who are watching me <laughs> sing. Fucking pinkos. <laughs> All right, let's, you're you're nicer. Ahead. I would have fucking said, "Hey, get on the t- <laughs> the talk back from your end." Say, "Hey, you want to get Country Joe and the fucking fish out of there?" <laughs> what do I got to deal with these fucking chooches for? <laughs> Trying to do a thing. <laughs> Trying to do a rock vocal here. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, there's a drum circle down down the boardwalk. They go running out of the studio. <laughs> Some guy out front of the studio said Jerry Garcia ain't got it no more. <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> All right. If I'm on, if I'm on the dance floor in like 1975 and this yeah. is going on, I'd be like, "Don't fade that shit out. Just keep oh, no. it going. Keep it going. Yeah, it's just such an incredible track. I just I love that track. So it really much. is. I mean, I I've said this for years. I'm going to continue to say it. There may be some cheese in in the Bee Gees catalog. Yeah, certainly. I I know enough of their songs from all eras that they're. Cert- I I'm not going to yeah. argue that. But I don't care how cheesy the song is. These guys cannot write a bad melody. Yeah, no, it's yeah. every me- song. It won't be the melody that is the bad thing about it. it no, won't. yeah, I mean the, the the dumbest songs they've ever written have still have killer, hummable hook hooky me- melodies. Yep. When they were chasing production trends in the last in the back half of yep. their career, you're talking you, like eighty, like late eighties, and and yeah, and then where it got even less inspired production wise. Yeah. After that, you know, like where like but so if you took, you know, those songs and arrangements even and put them into three dudes in a room with a you know a a two or three piece act it would be an it would be a whole other thing removing dopey drum sounds of the day and synth sounds of the day you take that away Mm -hmm. and you just had it be you know to your point the song and the melody would be world class uh that you that miss this missed because you were chasing the sounds of the day there's there's a a song called I believe it's Blue Island I think it's from the 80s or 90s that they did mm-hmm. and it was a hit uh, I mean it was meant to be their next hit single but it was just a single and I don't think it did anything but mm-hmm. um, they were out promoting it and I, there's an acoustic there's a version of them doing it acoustically and again go if you hear the original version they were going for a very synthesized 80s yep. sound and it's not that interesting but you can't deny that the fucking thing is is this killer songwriting craftsmanship melody and then when you hear them doing it acoustically you go yeah it's a great song yeah. they just, it was just in, they just did it in the wrong era um to that point the uh what I, I saw in my research i looked at a bunch of their doing this live <clears throat> and i came upon um 
it was called like 2010 One Night Only. And it was them doing, I think, in Vegas. Them doing, and it's them older. You know, like uh, what's his, uh, is Robin has the long hair, but now yeah. he's bald. You know, he's bald later. <laughs> yeah. And he's bald in, in everything. And Barry kind of looks, he doesn't look like the lion he once looked like. <laughs> but they do this and they only do it maybe up to, they do the first verse and chorus. And it's just Barry with a guitar and them singing. Uh-huh. And it almost makes you cry because you can, they're looking at each other and you can tell that they're brothers yeah. and they know they can still do it. And you can see yeah, you it can in their faces. You can take almost out of that sentence. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Is you know, that that in like '95 or so? That that live? No, it's 2010. It's oh. called One Night Only. But that was in, from the '90s, I believe. Maybe you're right. I would say yeah. 2010 on. But it's them doing it. They're in Vegas or something. They're doing one night of one concert. Yeah. And they, and they do it, and he just and it's just you're like because you're right. One of them might have been dead by then. Yeah. yeah. I, I, by the yeah. way, I didn't want to derail your point. Yeah. I was yeah. just because that if you watch any video from that when it's this, the three brothers doing it because yeah. they have a right. full band they do full band version yeah. but there's there's a couple songs they do where the three of them are around the microphone yeah, and, that's they're, it. and they're exchanging looks and that's it's just it. so great it's incredible so you're great. like you can feel them and you're like fuck man they and they they oh we can still do this and then they look at each other while they're doing these parts and you're like yeah. god damn they're so good yeah. and he's just got a guitar and that's how you can usually tell if the song's good if you can play it just on the piano or a guitar and it's still great you yeah. know it's a great like song. you could go in and yeah. do morning like morning radio um yeah right i remember uh our uh, my my friend uh who damon knows knew uh brendan was pointing out to me um i was talking about the arrangement of something of some song that I had recently like that our band had recently done or something. And Brendan was trying to explain to me that like, it's a good idea to make sure that the bones of a song yeah. can be broken down to an acoustic guitar and not be relying on other things. So it needs to have the power of that. Yes. You might have to change the arrangement. You may have to play it in a style. That's not like what the song is, but he goes, and he goes, for example, hollow notes could go in and, and do whatever I want. You got to, might be hard to handle with an acoustic at eight o'clock in the morning on a some bullshit DJ yeah. show, and it would completely have that life. Now that has nothing to do with the arrangement and how it was produced and da 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 da. But it's still the, the song is the same, and the strength of the song still shines through with that support. Mm-hmm. And you know these guys, you know they even almost have more support with their songs the further they break it down. It speaks to such as the the perfection of their songwriting craft, in my view. Like the more you strip it back, it's <laughs> fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I don't know. So, so uh, the Bee Gees are just a sorbet in my life. I do. I feel so much better now. This is such a good thing. I feel so much better now. All the other stuff is yeah. gone, and it just feels great. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm not even going to think about the, the previous two don't songs. Say, don't, say just, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say. Don't say. Don't say. Don't say. <sighs> All right. So. Um, on that, I guess we'll wrap up uh, this episode. Wait, remind me what this episode is again. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> Number nine. Number nine. Turn me on, Deadman. <laughs> Turn me on, Deadman. Yeah, so uh, we're going to bid you adieu from the, uh, from the North Star and the entertainment capital of the world. Go to earandloathing.com. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Whatever episode, drop the needle. It's yeah. always good. Look upon my works and despair. <laughs> what, is <that>? what does <laughs> that mean? Osmandius. Yeah, Os- Osmandius. <laughs> it's a it's a famous poem, but oh, I, and wow, I think I wow. just butchered it. But wow, uh, yeah, go go on head. the social media. Here here's the deal. 
if you guys contact us and want to, you know, sort of start mixing it up on social media, then you'll coax us out of our out of our hobbit holes and we'll we'll come play. But we hate social media so much that we don't want to bother with it. You we need you guys to you know, bring us yeah, out. Call us dicks. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. That's say you guys are dicks for not getting Take exception. Media. Take umbrage. The fucking accounts <laughs> exist. You can go say things to us and we'll come back and say things if you do. So earinloathing.com, get on the social media, fucking subscribe. What the hell's the matter with you? Download yeah, right, the yeah. download the episodes and and you know, do do us a favor over here. We're, we're in working your car, in your home, on your blah punked, on your pioneer, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. When you when you pull your stereo out of the car and carry it into the party, <laughs> go ahead and hit subscribe. And uh, that's that's it for episode nine of Ear and Loathing. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week. Right, boys? Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Ear and Loathing. And then you become naked. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next week for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye. Goodbye.